Hello, everybody, and welcome back to this week's edition of the About to Review podcast, here to amplify diverse voices in media. I'm your host, as always, that guy named John. Make sure to follow the podcast on social media at About to Review on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. You can find full links to the show notes and guests at abouttoreview.com. There's also a support tab on the website, so if you want to pitch in a dollar via PayPal, that would be fantastic. There's also an Amazon wish list on there as well. Joining me on this week's episode, the first episode of the new year, the annual tradition of the goodest of the good, the ugliest of the ugly, and the baddest of the bad. I did that in a different order than what I wrote down, but that is all right. Joining me on this week's adventure is returning guest, Tim Hall, People's Critic. Yeah, it's always good to be back in studio. Good to have you. He's the returning champion, right? And the, 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 yeah, the, returning, the, champion. the, the returning champion. <laughs> and... Mike Ward from Should I See It, El Presidente of the Seattle Film Critics Society. <laughs> Welcome Hello, back, everyone. Welcome. <laughs> Thanks for having me. Uh, of course. Uh, yeah, you guys are you guys are awesome. So uh, yeah, this is the annual episode where we talk about the <laughs> the films that you know fall into the rating system of good, bad, and ugly. Which yeah, good films, best of the year. Bad films, kind of the most disappointing ones of the year that had a chance to be good, and ugliest of the ugly. Self-explanatory. Okay. So before we get into <laughs> that, we'll get into the original theme song created by Damien Randall of Ill-Mannered Media. Let's all go to the lobby. Let's all go to the lobby. Let's all go to the lobby to get ourselves a treat. And also, at the top of the show, uh, some geek news items. Uh, the past couple episodes, I feel like there has, I've not really done geek news because there has been other stuff going on. Uh, and then also, I had a couple listeners reach out to me. Uh, last week, I did not drop a new episode. I did what some people call, what is it called? Uh, taking time off. You got to let people know. Um, no idea. You got to let them know. That is. Yeah, that was that was weird. But I had people like, they're like, hey, new episode. And one would think that by taking a week off from doing a show, they're like, oh, I bet you're relaxing. I literally was stressing every day being like, <laughs> I should at least record like five minutes and say something and release no, it. Just a simple Instagram post, Twitter post, taking the week off, going on vacation. Yeah, and I forgot to See do that also. Um, I put up my, <laughs> put up my like, seconds. and I put up my happy holidays thing like two days after Christmas. Oh, it was, boy. I was a mess. Yeah, you need reminders in your phone. Um yeah. Oh, yeah. Haven't 141 episodes taught you anything? <laughs> right. Anything. You would. You would think <laughs> yeah. so. You would think you know, so. Just, just keep your keep your listeners engaged in what's happening. That's yeah. It. But to be fair, it's hard to be a man of the people and know what all of the people want. So understood. apparently, yeah. Understood. Yeah. So uh, yeah, to those of you who reached out, thank you uh, for, for reaching out. But uh, yeah, so here it is. First episode of the new year. Geek news. The first item. So Letitia Wright is the top box office earner of 2018 via Fandango. Hmm. Her movies combined brought in $1.55 billion. <laughs> Are we really kind of ready to play one? Which is funny because, so she, and she put up a funny tweet. Um, 
she, you know, quoted the tweet from Fandango naming her. And she was like, cool, just make sure to put that money in my bank account. Yeah. And like the emoji with the magnifying glass, like yeah. the eyeglass. So, yeah, so she did four movies in 2018, Black Panther, Infinity War, Ready Player One, and The Commuter. <laughs> the Commuter. I, I they're listed as in order of how much she's in the movie, too. Yeah, for sure. You don't even see her face in The Commuter. Yeah, you do. She is a skateboarder. You see her literally for like, for like 30 seconds. For like, like, like barely. She's like in it. But in she it. is in it. And so it counts. And what is funny, the gap between <laughs> her and the next group, which is like four people, it was like Chadwick Boseman yeah. and everything. It was like $1.38 billion. The commuter made about $50 million, So it was like game you just changer. slid that right yep. in there. There you go. That's the game changer so, right there. But, I mean, that is awesome. You know, for her that she not only, I mean, we talk about it a lot. Actors like to stay busy, you know, and so I've had people ask me, they're like, you know, why does Ian McKellen even, you know, do any movies anymore? Like he can just live off of residuals. People like to act like that is why they get into it. Patrick Stewart has that movie. What is it? The kid who would be king. Yeah. This is coming out where he just. In theaters, January 25th. Yeah. Is it that soon? Yeah. Yeah. It's they just dropped away. the trailer like a week ago. Yeah. That's yeah. a good sign. Oof. Yeah, <laughs> like, here's a trailer for a movie that comes out in four January weeks. release. <laughs> what? But also, I think you know, you never know when you do these projects when they're coming out. Exactly. So yeah. it, she, it's, right. it's not in her control that they all release in 2018. Just like Brian Tyree Henry was in a lot of projects. Yeah, he's <laughs> in a bunch. Year, yeah. Well, and especially with the animation with Into the Spider Verse, like that film had, I want to say like, uh, 250. No, how many people working on it? I saw some crazy number, and so like. That took some time. So yeah. he did his part. Right. And then you just sit back and wait, do your other stuff. Yeah. And then you get an email from Sony being like, okay, the movie is coming out in eight months. <laughs> yeah. We need your help promoting it. What is this movie? Did I? What? Right. Yeah. Checks notes. Oh, uh, yeah. I guess I was in this. Ben yeah. Kingsley. There's an interview with him way back in the day on Conan O'Brien when he did a movie. It was not called The Butterfly Effect, but it had to do with The Butterfly Effect. They were time travelers. Yeah, uh, I've seen that movie. It's terrible. It was terrible. So he is on Conan O'Brien, <sighs> and he had a new movie coming out, and Conan even mentioned that other movie. And he was like, oh, yeah, and you did this project, and he was like, did I? <laughs> he was like, when was that? Because Ben Kingsley, you talk about somebody who likes to work, that man will take anything. Oh, yeah. And so, but yeah, he did this movie and just forgot about it because it had so many production issues and was yeah. delayed also years. unfinished cgi it was oh, yeah, it studios was change titles yeah. they i mean stuff gets shelved and then shows up in videos <laughs> you know well used to be video stores but shows yeah. up vod and then he was mm -hmm. like what is this yeah yeah, yeah. so that always that. that always kind of cracks me up but yeah so congratulations to leticia Wright. absolutely uh hashtag black girl magic uh she just did. get those checks and she, yeah that is the other thing is she is good she is yeah. not just in these movies she is solid and she was in black mirror last year she was yeah. Oh, it's true. Great episode. Yeah. Super creepy episode that made me feel uncomfortable. <laughs> oh, they're all super creepy. Well, yeah. Yeah. Uh, cool. Uh, next thing. So in other big movie news, Jordan Peele mm -hmm. is following up his Oscar award winning Get Out. And Seattle Film Critics Society. And Seattle Best Film Critics Society winner. Yeah. winner. Uh, he, <laughs> they just dropped the new trailer for his project, his new film called Us. Mm -hmm. Tim, tell us about us. Us? I don't know anything about us. Exactly. And that is what I like. <laughs> this is a trailer. And again, like it comes out, I mean, relatively soon. This is not something where like we're getting a trailer now and it comes out in November. Like I think it comes out March, March, something like that. Like yeah, pretty March, soon. March. Killer cast. Winston Duke from Black Panther, Infinity War. Lupita uh, Nyong'o. Lupita Nyong'o. 
from Black Panther and Infinity War. And uh, they're what's just his face uh, from Handmaid's Tale is in it. Oh, uh, why am I spacing on her name? I can't remember. The main her name. actress. Yeah, she's in it. Yeah, Elizabeth Moss. Elizabeth Moss. Is there right. we go. Yeah. From what and we some s- other people too, and some other people. From what we've seen the trailer, I mean, first of all, this is going to be legit horror, <laughs> just like Get Out was. Like, I love the people when Get Out came out, and they're like, "But Jordan Peele, you, you came from comedy," and it was like, "You can have comedy be your base as a professional, but if you grew up loving horror and you finally get the means, ability, finances, studio backing to make a passion project, and it happens to be horror." And you show that you have the chops to do it. Yeah. So Us is coming out soon. Looks crazy. This family is kind of being terrorized by themselves. Yeah. How -hmm. that plays out in the movie, we have no idea. Yeah. (laughs) But. Yeah. I I broke my no trailer rule so I could watch the trailer because I was and still remain a huge fan of Get Out Mm -hmm. and Jordan Peele in general. <clears throat> and um, oh, this movie looks amazing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, just from what they've shown, and they don't—at least it appears—and you know, we may be completely wrong about this, but it doesn't appear that they give much away. They they introduce yep. the chaos of essentially what looks to be a story of doppelgangers, and that's yeah. about mm-hmm. all you get. Yeah, and <laughs> that's all you need. Yeah, the and, visuals carry. I'm not not necessarily carry over from Get Out, but very, you can start to see Jordan Peele's style. Which, I mean, similar to any of the really established directors, once you see a couple of their movies and you see some key frames, you're like, okay, this is Hitchcock. Okay, this is Kubrick. With only two movies, like this being a second one, there are so many shots. There's Lupita Nyong'o staring deadpan into the camera, wide-eyed, crying. Mm-hmm. And it, no matter what is happening in that scene, you are immediately hooked because of Daniel Kaluuya's performance in Get Out. Uh, right. So, super pumped uh, about Us, and that will be coming out soon. Uh, Another trailer, I'm not sure if either of you guys saw this. Uh, They're doing an Agatha Christie three-part, kind of three-movie thing uh, on Amazon Prime. They did one of these last year, where it was like, and it just kind of flew under the radar. I love Agatha Christie. I love those mystery Mm -hmm. stories. I'm a big, like, Sherlock Holmes fan. So this one is starring John Malkovich as Hercule Poirot. Oh, what? Yeah. The trailer for this is a mess. So they're taking the, <laughs> the, the ABC murders story where there's a guy in a train and he's going from basically stop to stop, kill somebody, and then there's a big like letter A next to them. Next stop, B, C, so on and so forth. They bring in the greatest detective in the world, Hercule Poirot. Isn't we know him from... Isn't he huge, like heavy and like big and yeah? So and has and has a, like a is nice Malkovich in a fat suit. No, huh. and and does not have a twiddly mustache like we are used to with Hercule Poirot. Kenneth Branagh. People who are wondering who that character is. So Kenneth Branagh last year uh, was it? Yeah, it was twenty seventeen. Yeah, seventeen. Two years ago. Or, yeah, well, a year and a half. Murder on the yeah. Orient Express. Yeah, Murder on the Orient Express. That was kind of the honestly reintroduction of that character to a lot of audiences who right. maybe did not grow up watching BBC. You know, those classic stories. This, as soon as I saw it, I was like, cool, Agatha Christie, ABC Murders. Let me watch the trailer. What is John Malkovich doing? He is <laughs> kind of doing a French accent. But man, like, it is rough. So this is a, a three-part miniseries on Prime. Yeah. Wow. And I, I, right. I mean, it is Amazon, so I mean. 
I'm on Prime all the time because my wife loves the marvelous Mrs. Maisel yes. and just watches show. it again and again and again. Wow. Brilliant show, actually. Brilliant show. Um, but, I mean, so... Um, it's there. <laughs> I mean, that, is, that is the thing is like, I know that I'm going to at least watch the first episode because of just what it is about and Agatha Christie, but oof. so did prime is, I mean, maybe we don't know this and maybe it doesn't matter. Did they pick this up or did they like, no, this wasn't they, the they prime original. It. They, it's yeah. A, yeah. That's, that was my question. So the idea is Malkovich. Let's bring him <laughs> yeah, in. Let's bring him in and let's as the tubby British mustache twirling. Yeah. Detective. Except, okay. So he has a goatee. It also has Rupert Grint. In it yeah, as well. Oh, uh, but yeah. So yeah, they did one with Bill Nighy. Yeah, um, earlier, you know, in 2018. And so yeah, I mean, I like that they were just kind of doing these smaller things. They were taking that BBC model, the Doctor Who model, where they're like, "Cool, Black Mirror," and they're just like, "Here are three episodes." But the content is good. And this doesn't look good content. This so far from this trailer, the thing about these stories is Agatha Christie was a great writer. You, we still have to care about Hercule Poirot. We still have to care about like his character. That was honestly one of my issues with Murder on the Orient Express. Is I know that story. I've seen versions of that story a bunch of times. Kenneth Branagh was almost the least interesting part of that movie. And it, it's you know it's hard to to sort of adapt some of these things into film. Yeah, because of that. So with the books, you can get lost in a 700 page novel and have all this backstory and all this exposition. And how do you condense that into a two hour film and make it entertaining and make it. So it takes a lot of skill to do that. I don't know if if you have people who don't have that skill. It end up being like the Murder on Orient Express we watched last year, where it's just mm-hmm. it's more about the people around him, and he's he which is, which does like be, a pseudo. He's almost home. he's almost an ancillary character. Yeah, yeah. The bigger. Yeah, almost. So kind of weird, <laughs> uh, but yeah. I mean, I, I know that I am going to at least watch the first one. <clears throat> what's the what's the? Do we know when this? Um. Yeah. Oh, that is a good question. Platforms. I thought it had a date on there. Yeah. Let me see. Uh, so blah blah. That talks about the thing. Was it February first. February first. So February 1st. next month. Okay. All right. One Listen, month. There's nothing out in February. It's, it's, I mean, it's, it's February a is a good time to dump a project. I mean, especially on Amazon Prime, it does not really fall into the regular release schedule. But February first, it's a good time. <laughs> go nothing for else it. is out. No content out. Yeah. You can go ahead and dump your project. So, uh, and then the last bit. So a movie. I'm always interested when they. Do not screen things for us. Mm, yes. And, and there, it happens frequently. It, Robin Hood. Robin Hood. <laughs> It'll, it will especially happen this month, right? Yeah. I mean, most January movies <laughs> yeah. don't uh, don't get a look before So they... far, the big one that we have coming up at some point is Split. Glass. Super... Glass. Glass. Sorry. Yeah. Uh, split sequel. Yeah, Glass. That one I'm excited for. But every now and then, a movie comes out and it has some you know, top tier actors or middle tier actors and we get nothing. And I'm always interested in that. Uh, Holmes and Watson yeah. star, <laughs> starring the comedy duo. Of that, that was so last year. Yeah. <laughs> right. <laughs> so we did not get anything about this, which is fine. I mean, yeah. So this comedic duo, Talladega Nights, Step Brothers, these two together, John C. Riley, John C. Riley and Will Ferrell are hilarious. The outtakes from those movies are phenomenal. I was interested in in this movie. Oh no, I was not. I mean, because again, I like I said before, I love Sherlock Holmes. This is like, sure, why not? John then the John more I started looking at it, I was like, this looks like it is going to be a little bit rough, but maybe I will catch it. And then I was like, now nah, I'm going to wait for this one. Turns out, so so far the movie has only made 
15 million dollars. Production value is only 42, so it might get there. 20 of that probably went to Will Ferrell, though. Uh, easily. Yeah, <laughs> easily. Uh, and then the more it has been uh, out in theaters for the past couple weeks, more stories have been coming out. Mm-hmm. Apparently, Netflix passed on this. Yeah. So this was optioned to Netflix. A movie, and again, like, ne- these are two big stars in this movie. Netflix was like, now nah, we're good. <laughs> Which is telling because yeah. how many things Netflix not, not only is the saturation point worth writing right. on Netflix, but how much absolute junk do they throw onto their, you know, Netflix original platform mm-hmm. like the first eight or nine months of the year? They they drop anywhere from five to eight films, give mm-hmm. or take, every Friday. Yeah. Coupled with three or four new shows mm-hmm. or new seasons of shows. And they said and comedy specials and oh yeah, yeah comedy specials in the mm-hmm. midweek and all that yeah. kind of stuff. There's probably fifteen to twenty new uh, new items on the mm-hmm. on the service every by by the time Friday rolls around between yep. movies, stand up, series, whatever, yep. foreign film acquisitions, documentaries. And they said no. They said no. This. It's probably whatever <laughs> price point the studio wanted. Probably, I mean, well, it, that's probably a better point. That's it, probably it. They probably asked for a number, and they were like, "Nah." Because Netflix did axe a, a few of their shows that were getting critically acclaimed, and like mm-hmm. you know, people really liked, and they're like, "Eh, no, we're cutting that because the production budget is yeah. too high." Yeah, but uh, still, still, yes. you know, I knew this was going to be bad when they were advertisements for it. They were like from the from the guys from Talladega Nights and Step Brothers. So it's like, yeah, those movies have nothing to do with this movie, and they're throwing it in this advertisement right. as if. Yeah, only only because the two actors are there, and those two not. those two movies were directed by the same person. Yeah, so like comedic vision with the three of them, they obviously have a working chemistry. This you take those two guys and pair them with somebody else. Do you see the the article about people walking out of this movie halfway yeah. through? Yeah, no, no. I oh, didn't people see just that. flat out leaving. Oh my gosh! <laughs> just been like just tweeting. Ah, I thought I saw the worst movie of the year, but <laughs> I saw Holmes and Watson. I left an hour in. Half yeah. hour in, I said, I can't do this anymore. That's the whole, like, do you give the refund? Like, if they go in yeah. and ask, do, do they get Listen, the refund? I used, the to work at, I used to work at a theater. Mm-hmm. It's a real thing. You give the voucher? Yeah, for sure. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Because you want yeah. them back. Yeah. yeah. It was rare, though. There was I, a, I would kind of imagine it would be rare. I've only honestly been to a couple movies. And one of them was, like, back in, this one I was living in Oregon, there was a dollar theater on Wednesdays. It cost us $2 to go see this movie. At the end of it, I was like, I kind of want my $2 back. <laughs> what movie was it? Uh, Wes Craven's They. Yeah, that's bad. It's it was. Bad. It's not. It's a dollar. It's worth a dollar. Mm, like it was. In today's money? Yeah. <laughs> <right>? With inflation. <laughs> and yeah. then last year, last year with Transformers, the last night, that was when we were like, if, if I had paid for that, I mean, I might I might have walked out. Like it, that movie, Tim and I talked about it. We've talked about it multiple times. Like, it's a painful watch. We felt assaulted like it was so did you see it yeah i saw yeah. enough oh, of it man i didn't see it. <laughs> it i mean i didn't see it i didn't i didn't see it in theaters it's on hulu right now if anyone wants to it's, it really it's yeah, atrocious there, there are two or three of that transform i mean i am not a fan of any of those movies but there are two or three of that michael bay mm-hmm. run in that that are just unwatchable yeah they're unwatchable yeah they're terrible yeah so with holmes and watson i mean definitely i mean Good luck to them. Both of them are going to be fine. Everybody involved in that movie is going to be fine. They each have, like, Stan and Ollie. Um, a Dark Horse Oscar contender. Yeah, like, so, like, everybody. A couple of nominations, yeah. 
They will be fine. This is a movie that people are just going to forget about in a couple months. Mm-hmm. And Will Ferrell will have three more movies out this year. Yeah, easily. Yeah. Yeah. So, but yeah, I just, I was kind of fascinated it's, by it's, that. It's funny when you, yeah, to hear Netflix passing on it. That's, yeah. that's pretty telling. Uh, and because I'm the king of segues, our first uh, thing that we're going to be reviewing on this episode, Black Mirror Bandersnatch. Mm-hmm. So this is the creature from Alice in Wonderland, right? This is the little, yeah. that's an awesome idea. So Bandersnatch. I had a pseudo <laughs> argument with somebody about that and they were like, oh, like in Alice in Wonderland, I was like, it was not the Bandersnatch. Go back forth, back and forth. So it was the sequel to Alice in Wonderland through the looking glass. All right, carry on. Because in the first one, it was Jabberwocky. Oh, yeah, that's right. right. Um, it's a Yeah. But, and the Vorpal Blade goes snicker-snack, and Dungeon of the Dragons uses the Vorpal weapons. Anyway, so, Black Mirror <laughs> Bandersnatch, <laughs> uh, directed by David Slade, who directed m- one of my favorite episodes of all time with Black Mirror, Metalhead, yeah. from last year. Which, and was, which one's Metalhead again? The, the black the and little, white. The little oh, yeah, yeah, robot yeah, yeah. dog. Oh, absolutely. That, like, that, yeah, I love that episode. Yeah. So David Slade uh, directed this, and this stars Finn Whitehead, and I think it was one of our local critics who said that Will, is it Will Poulter? Yeah, Will Poulter. Um, yeah. Has like the most punchable face in Hollywood. <laughs> <laughs> was, he does. And yeah, it was like, I fair. mean, it is kind of fair, but talk about somebody who, again, who likes to work and is good. Will Poulter is solid. He's usually, I don't, he's not bad in things. No, I mean, yeah. that. He's in bad things. He's in bad things. He's been in bad things, but he's not bad in things. Yeah. So Finn Whitehead from Dunkirk uh, plays this young video game designer, uh, Mm -hmm. Stefan. How they pronounce that like three different ways in this movie is just weird. But Stefan Butler and yeah, video game designer is kind of pitching his his game to this mega star in the video game industry played by Will Poulter in hopes to get picked up. But it's kind of the... Choose your own adventure based games. You're going to be walking in a hallway and you would type, you know, like open door, go left, that style. But you said there's no typing. Yeah. And that was like, you know, they were like, what? No typing. So this takes place. <laughs> did they give a year? 84. 84. Yeah, 1984. So yeah, from there, we go into this interactive film that is a user experience unlike really anything. Uh, one of our friends, Damien, he said that he remembers somebody doing this before, but can I remember who? Do you remember I, anything about I was trying to remember that? the name. There's yeah. a, there was a really terrible, and it's, I'm sure it's terrible partly because the idea, the, the Choose Your Own Adventure idea didn't work, but there was a theatrical movie, gosh, in the 80s? Is it early oh, really? 90s? I can't even, I'll look it up while you guys are talking, because I actually haven't seen the Black Mirror movie yet, but, mm-hmm. um, so I'll do a little research, but mm-hmm. And it, it died on the vine. Like, oh, wow. It just was a failure How from the get-go. How could you do it in the theater, though? That is I the think they thing. had... Well, like a little I'm going to look probably. it up. Yeah, so you look, look that up. up. So, Tim, with this one, how did you feel this fit as far as Black Mirror tone and pacing with that interactive it feature? Yeah, it worked for me. Like, the tone and pacing. It's super weird. The decisions led to super weird things happening. Mm-hmm. And then they give you a chance to do it again or send you down a different path and you had to choose again. Um, yeah, it worked. It worked for me. They said they have like five hours of footage and yeah, and I think I think that five is... different possible endings. Oh well, one website said five, one said eight. There's one website that said that there are a trillion combinations. Yeah, I'm that sure. is impossible. There's there is not a IndieWire that said that. Yeah, IndieWire, you are hundred percent wrong. 
A trillion? <laughs> do you understand how big a trillion is? Maybe it was just hyperbole. Yeah, that is clickbait. Because uh, I just, but, but uh, yeah, it, it worked for me. I like the tone of it. Black Mirror has a very good, you know, all the little Easter eggs. That was cool. I mean, again, Depends David Nose Dive Game. David Slade, major metalhead, was yeah. featured prominently <laughs> in this episode. Um, one thing that I appreciated about this Black Mirror makes, even though this one was the most interactive for a TV show. They make some of the most compelling original TV, mm-hmm. where but, you just can't, you have to be absorbed. Yeah, by they, go, it. they go that extra step. They do, and you're it, like, oh, oh, are you gonna kill the baby? Oh, oh. Yeah. yeah, that's gonna. Most movies wouldn't do that. Most shows do, would, no. they would not go that I extra. Mean, like, oh, oh yeah, you're doing that thing. And they said that, and this is not even something that like they they did as a gimmick to kind of like get more audiences from the very first episode. Yeah. The things that yeah. we I was like, see oh, the he's character not going to do that, and they're like, "Oh, yeah, oh, well. he, no, he does." And it's we, the, the audience's reaction in that episode, in the very first yeah. episode, where it goes from like "ha cheering, and then like thirty seconds later, they're like, "Turn it off." Yeah, this is like, too we, much. <laughs> and that, like, that set the tone right there, yeah. and they have continued to keep that tone while being, while, while creating and curating interesting stories yeah that is what fascinates me so mike do you have an answer oh uh well so i stumbled onto, and i'll give obviously the proper credit to gq okay who oh. wrote an in-depth article on the history of choose your own adventure style interactive cinema okay. which dates back long before the 90s by the way um to but that's 80s? a conversation uh even further no 50 60 years yeah what? so what i was remembering was uh and this is i'm Directly from GQ magazine in 1992, the theater chain Lowe's spent as much as $70,000 per theater to install interactive remotes for films such as I'm Your Man, a 20-minute short film in which characters will turn to the camera and ask the audience to help them make one of six choices. Six. The director heralded his film as a radically new cinema liberated from narrative cliche and predictability. Then in 1995, uh, one of the co-writers from Back to the Future made a film, Mr. Payback, which centers on a robot who goes around punishing people in various bizarre ways. (laughs) Roger Ebert gave it a half-star review and said, nothing on earth could induce me to sit through every permutation of Mr. Payback. Wow. Um, Mr. Payback. Yeah. And then it goes into talking about like how... um, uh, what's his name? Uh, Don Bluth did a, a 1980s yes, laser disc on that Dragon's yeah. Lair. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, but it all goes back to disc. like, just like sort of traveling cinematic road show, sort of, you know, set up the tent and show right. the movie kind of a thing. And Interesting. it does talk about how a movie called, and I'm going to say this wrong, uh, Kino Automat, uh, a Czech film from hmm. somebody uh, follows a protagonist through a dramatic day and freezes nine different times so audiences can weigh in on nine different decision points. That is oh. too many choices. At that moment, a live nine? actor would no, walk nine out. nine decision points. Oh. So at that okay. moment, an actor would walk out and explain the choice to the audience who would push a button to vote on one of two options okay, they preferred and the movie would continue. So, huh. um, yeah, and so each choice in that movie was limited to just two options and regardless of what was chosen, the story would continue. Yeah. So... I mean, that's the origins of it, but Interesting. I was remembering, I think, Mr. Payback, the okay. 1995 movie. Yeah, because I, I mean, I, I heard about that, but I was like, yeah, I had no idea that it had that type of history. And was it Mr. Payback that had six choices? Well, no, that was I'm Your Man. Okay, because that is too many. And especially like in Black Mirror, in Bandersnatch, it gives you 10 seconds, mm-hmm. and you see a little bar kind of you know coming towards the middle. From what I heard, and I have not done this yet, but I do 
want to, even if you just do nothing, the film still plays forward. It wants you to be interactive, of course, but I believe you can just watch it. Mm-hmm. I'm not sure why you would when you have this interactive feature, but yeah, so you get you have lazy. two choices. Yeah. <laughs> you have two choices <laughs> and ten seconds to make it. You're in an argument with whoever you're watching it with, and then ten seconds go by, and right, then and you can also what cereal you should pick. Yeah, right. exactly. But you can go back. So, I mean, this was a they kind of hinted at this a few months ago. They're like, Black Mirror is going to be doing something But hasn't different. Netflix done this with some of their kids' properties? Like, I, I feel like... I have imagine, no idea. I feel like they... I mean, I don't know. I haven't watched Netflix. My kids are a little older than right? wanting to sit down and watch kids' shows on Netflix. But I thought that they kind of tested some of this... Really? ...with some of their kids' properties. I, I wouldn't be surprised. I mean, yeah. It, that's the that, would, that would make sense. But I also heard, too, that to make this even possible, they had to rewrite elements of the platform for Netflix oh, to yeah. even make it happen. Oh, the yeah. coding on this is crazy. So much so that like my TV, my smart TV was not smart enough. Mm. You have to have a certain thing with your TV and mine did not. So I had to hook up my laptop, which is fine. I mean, I, I'm lucky to be able to do that. So I hooked up my laptop to my TV and then it gave me those options. But it was crazy. It's like the, the first time you press play on Bandersnatch and we... See, like, it was two minutes. I was like, okay. Like, oh, it probably does not take into account the blah, blah. And it shows up and it was like, we're sorry, but your option, like, your TV cannot play this, blah, blah. And it shows clips from Black Mirror. Everybody's saying sorry. <laughs> and I was like, oh, this is good. This waiting for the thing. And then I was like, nope. And then I went to credits and I was like, wait, did I mess up? Is this yeah. part of the thing? <laughs> My so, movie was 20 seconds long. Yeah. Yeah. yeah and so I... And then I looked it up online and people were real upset. Um, I saw a quote too, some sort of, and Netflix is just going to exist, right? right. So railing about Netflix doesn't really do a whole lot, but there was just this comment from an executive talking about how people, I think it was with Apple TV and Chromecast Mm -hmm. and some of the other, you know, sort of sticks that, you know, you can use or different, um, how they couldn't see the film. Yeah. And the comment, and I'm paraphrasing, was something like, well, yeah, we're not worried about leaving people behind. Pretty much everyone has a device that they can watch this on. So everyone that wants to see it can see it. I'm just like, well, that's Netflix in a nutshell. Yeah. Yeah. And so I do. <laughs> yeah, that is that is a bold stance. I mean, ah, you only have Chromecast. You got something in your house you can watch. You'll this find time. a way to watch our content. because yeah. And watch Roma yeah. on because Nintendo it, Switch. But, while you're but I think right. to their point, it's become this cultural conversation. So you will yeah. find a way to watch it. Exactly. And they understand that about people. Which kind of Same fits, with Bird into Box. The, fits into the Black Mirror mystique a little bit, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. Like technology is all around us. Yep. You will find a way or it will find you. And so, yeah. yeah. And, and so, Bird yeah. Box was okay. And then all these memes started on Twitter. And <laughs> 45 million people. Right. And it made people try to watch it. Like that's yeah. where we're at. Yeah. It became, and there's no way they could have map that out no. it, it will lead to these hilarious memes they, that made people want to watch this well movie. and i love that 45 million people watch bird box but we can't figure out how many people watch anything nope. else oh on that Netflix. is they, they don't they're. they which i mean that was the other thing is they keep with, getting away with it they do and they can yeah. like netflix as a private company where are they public <laughs> yeah yeah it's like they're breaking back clip. how do you keep getting away with this <laughs> yeah yeah like they wow. it, it is fascinating that the board of directors for this company is like, nope. Yep. Smart. So, smart. Long, listen, if you can keep 
giving out candy and hiding your hands about where the candy comes from and how much you're selling and people still buy it, then it's Pavlovian, right? It's just something new appears, something new appears, something new appears. Yeah. So, uh, but we know, we understand the things they're putting out are part of like the cultural touch. We understand that. Yeah. We don't know the numbers, but the, the flips that I heard was like, if you're, if you're creating a show, you're not worried about, I've got to reach daredevil numbers right. or right right i can just create in my own space and it'll be what it is so i'm not trying to like catch up which which is the problem the network television has which oh, is yeah. like how do i what's the number one show i gotta be big bank theory so i've got to beat that number so you end right. up creating in the space where you're trying to advance past something versus creating the art you want to create yep so it, there's a benefit to it and that, yeah. no that definitely is a huge benefit these days with all of the streaming yeah. platforms so but yeah uh so i mean back to bandersnatch uh, I was sold on kind of the, the quote-unquote gimmick that some people were calling it. It made sense. The choices, some of the choices, and I feel like this, and a lot of the, like, the video games have a lot of choices, like Mass Effect. Personally, I just, I get a little bit bored with those because generally, you make about three choices, and that is those are the only ones that really affect the game. Telltale Games is known for that. Like, this is their bread and butter. Are these choices that quote-unquote, affect the course of the game when really you only have, like, three. This, from what I'm hearing about, like, eight different endings or five different endings, I think I saw three of them. So, but to me, it made me want to go back and choose different options. Right. So, like, that hook, like, they... It has some decent rewatchability. Oh, yeah. So you saw, you say, about three endings? I think I saw three. What about you? I saw two. You saw two. Okay. Do you feel satisfied that you've seen the movie, or do you want to go back and play with it? Yeah, I want to know more about some of the characters and what happens to them. Yeah, same. Okay, Uh, interesting. I'm like, ah, he's interesting. What happens to him? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, This this is a movie that begs to be dissected. Yeah. We, I mean, in our critic circle... I kept ruining poor Stefan's life. I was like, oh, man, I'm killing this dude. <laughs> Same. Uh, Same. You know, like a guilt yeah. complex yeah. creeping in? You feel guilty. Like, you do. ah, I sent him down the wrong path. Uh, well, and then you see what happens. And I'm like, so sorry. And then it will give you the option to like go back. And yeah. you're like, all right, sorry about that. But then like, with his dad, I, I was like, oh, let me, let me be nice. And it was like, apparently the nice way is not the thing to do. Yeah. You have to do the mean thing. And it was like... Yeah. But it, it just, it begs to be dissected in this critic community that we are a part of this is going to be one where yeah indiewire gq collider they're going to be breaking this down for a month yeah there'll be some video because there's no content in january so there's gonna be videos (laughs) about all the different banner snatch endings and how to get there and someone mapping it out it's kind of brilliant they put it out when they did because you're absolutely right yep they have the conversation for for as long as they want to have two months until pretty much I mean, I suppose award, you know, movies will, the movies that will start, unless, well, I, I suppose Glass will will sort of dominate, hit the zeitgeist. But okay. kind of what happens, right, is unless something sort of unforeseen pops up, like the movies that get talked about in the first couple of months of the yeah. year are the ones that have carried over through awards season and they're kind right. of, for the most part, they're yeah. popping up on They've award They've got re-released and, in theaters. Exactly. Yep. So it's pretty smart yet again tip the hat to netflix they, they, they found the tip of a hat they found netflix. the sweet spot they know what they're doing yeah. over there that little old netflix yeah <laughs> uh, i think it all started with dvds in the mail i know i still like that blockbuster story whether it is apocryphal or not no it's probably a real story I, yeah where I, blockbuster had the option to buy netflix and they're like streaming they didn't the see future. the vision of it. Yeah. yeah and so they yeah. they passed on it and, and none of us could have saw this coming. no no, God, no. But it just, all. yeah, so good for them. 
Uh, okay, so the official rating system for the About to Review podcast, if this is your first time listening, there are three choices. No stars, no letters, good, bad, or ugly are the choices. A good film was something that you would recommend. A bad film was something that you were just kind of disappointed with, did not really hit on all cylinders. Ugly, avoid at all costs. So for Black Mirror Bandersnatch, the first official movie from the creators of Black Mirror, Charlie Brooker, who is crushing it. Uh, Tim, what do you give Bandersnatch? I give it a good. Is it really the first official movie? Because I, I remember there's been a couple. Sandra right? Perra was a super long episode. It was like I, ninety. Minutes. This is the only one they're billing as as a movie. And so was White Christmas. White Christmas was super long yeah. too. So I right. think I think this is the only one that they were like that they were kind of labeling as a film. Yeah. But yeah, it's good. Yeah, it's good. It's definitely good. I'm, but I'm in that wheelhouse for Black Mirror. I love the mm-hmm. show. It's one of my favorite shows, and this fit right in for me. Uh, I also give it a good. Uh, it was something that again. I'm in the bag for Netflix and for Black Mirror in particular. They did announce also with everybody then talking about Banner Snatch, they were like new episodes in 2019. Yep. Yeah. Which they like. Five. And again, goes down to marketing. That was smart where they did not, before Banner Snatch, they were not like Banner Snatch is first and then this. The whole time leading up, they were like Banner Snatch. A yeah. week after Banner Snatch gets released, then they're like, you now now that your palate is wet, we got more coming in 2019. But they haven't said when, right? No, so they're no. building that. Yeah, there you go. So, yeah. good job. Uh, and another TV show. Oh, yeah. On a different streaming platform, uh, DC Universe, Titans, Have starring you- Brandon Thwaite uh, as Robin, kind of as the leader or de facto leader of this new group of teen Titans. He's an Aquaman, isn't he? No. no. Who am Bra- I thinking of? Brandon Thwaite? I have no idea. Dolph Lundgren. Well, <laughs> I'm going to yes. go back to my research. <laughs> right. Carry on. Uh, so this is a show that Tim and I had been talking about for a while because the first trailer that they dropped, people were all upset. Robin says, F Batman. And we were like, he does what is happening? F-ball. And like this tone that DC films had been having, I was like, why are they carrying that over to a TV show? So the first part, or I guess they're calling it the season one because right. season two is already done. Like, they already kind of filmed it. So, but season one just wrapped up. It was 10 episodes. 10 episodes. 10 episodes. I got to say, I was way more impressed than I thought I was going to be. I'm impressed if I turn off my comic book brain. Even even with that, though, like, what is crazy? Even with the I'm like, ah, this doesn't fit. What are we doing? The costuming is fantastic. Great costumes. The tone of it, which, again, they, they chose to lead with a really dark tone in that trailer and this is dark, but what is crazy is as dark as this is, as bloody as this is, and how much swearing there is, it is still lighter than the dark and dreary DC movies, Yeah, which is kind of crazy yeah. to me. Like, it is way bloodier, way more profanity, yet lighter. Yeah, I don't count those movies as anything. <laughs> I just don't. I, they're not really connected to anything. They're kind of one-offs. Yeah. So, yeah. But no, it, it's fine. It's it's. I just had to turn off my. I, I couldn't think about it in the, in the context of characters I know. There's like a there's like a little thing at the end that says based on DC characters, and I think that's mm-hmm. the movie. That's the show. It's based on DC characters. I mean, they but say I that. wouldn't. I wouldn't necessarily say it feels like true to these characters in the comics. Uh, some of them more than others. I think the way they did with Gar with Beast Boy was was pretty solid and kind of his duality of being like he has this traumatic incident essentially when he is in animal form and then is kind of struggling with wait 
Am I more human or animal? The stuff with Raven was great and her duality. Starfire has duality. Like all of these characters are all dealing with duality. All dealing with duality. And I loved the the tie-ins to the greater DC universe. None of it felt forced except for kind of the last episode when, you know, there's some Batman stuff, which was just kind of weird. Oh, Murderverse Batman show. Yeah. Yeah. Murderverse. Um, <laughs> yeah. And we did not see Lewis Tan as Batman. And we are both still hoping that he is Batman because that would be awesome. Uh, but yeah, we even, never see his face. Even with all of that, like this duality, like Donna Troy being in there, like Wonder Girl, That's Wonder Woman's sidekick. Like that was just awesome. Fine. It's just, they're just names and people. The, but the, the they don't really that, necessarily like, fit in the story well. If, I think, if, I think you, if you have to think about it in terms of comic books, if you're just watching a show and these are just characters that pop up, it's fine. If you're thinking, if you're thinking for me, thinking about it in the context of like years of comics, it felt very like, this isn't really what I'm, I've been reading. These are characters I know. Mm-hmm. I'm familiar mm-hmm. with their names and their abilities, but this isn't, this isn't I mean, necessarily them. I take all of these as basically Elseworlds stories. So that was something DC has been doing forever is every year you get like an Elseworlds annual where you would get a different Superman story and an alternate reality. That is what I view these as. And because of that, the comic book brain still works for me because I'm like, this is a comic book world in Elseworlds sold. Oh, yeah. I turned all that off. So <laughs> it, it, let me enjoy, it, it lets me enjoy the show. Yeah. But, you know, outside, it's, it's enjoyable. It's, it's fun, goofy, you know, a decent production value. Mm-hmm. The actors aren't bad. It's an interesting storyline. Yeah. So, as someone who has not seen this. Mm-hmm. And just hearing the conversation and what little I've read about it, what, and this isn't mean to slight the program. Mm-hmm. Please do. <laughs> what is the point, I guess? It, like, that's when I, when I look at like some of the, the footage I've seen and I, and mm-hmm. I've heard some of these conversations and similar to what you guys are having. I just think to myself, what, is, what is DC gaining out of turning this particular property into an edgy TV mature, you know, like where, where, where does this go? Essentially, I mean, and again, I mean, to for, be determined. Yeah, sure, yeah. But DC Universe just launched, so does their own streaming service, right? Similar to how Disney is going to be launching Disney right. Plus. So everything and they got is, ahead of Marvel on this because Marvel's connected to Disney, so they're yep. trying to get their own little. Yeah, and yeah. so they they launched with this, and then they're also coming out with Young Justice season three, which is an animated mm-hmm. show, which was incredibly popular. Mm-hmm. And so and at Doom this Patrol. point, and Doom Patrol, which. The Doom Patrol episode of Titans was great. And again, that was something where like no other show is going to like touch Doom Patrol, which was great to see. Then I saw the Doom Patrol trailer and I was less excited. Oh, yeah. Imagine but that. Essentially, <laughs> they're kind of doing that Netflix model where it is content. The difference is they own every single part of the content they're putting up there. Sure. sure. So as far as the point of it, it is content. It is something different. I think that the Titan, the people who were maybe in like high school when Young Justice came out, who are now older and in college, can now watch Titans and be like, oh, this is now kind of a grown-up version. And then Young Justice, the cartoon, is going to be back. And so then you're getting another younger generation. So it's just kind of stacking the deck. But I think you want... They're looking for their Stranger Things kind of show that yeah. like appeals to younger people, but go. is a little okay. darker and right. will drive people to their platform to watch. Right. Okay. And this yep. is this is their first shot at it, mm-hmm. and it missed the mark because because people aren't necessarily talking about the show, not even in like the sort of the geek realm. It's like this show people need to see. 
Some people are in in on it. Some people are out on it. But they'll they'll hopefully find their footing. And it might not be season one. It might be season two. Yeah. It might be so season three. For someone who's a step removed from you know kind of the target audience for mm-hmm. this, to me, it just feels like one more thing on one more thing. Yeah. That's going to ask for more out of me financially. So, yeah. yeah, I mean, so it's it's that's why I'm kind of looking at it, going, well, what is the you know what is the end game or or the bigger picture probably is more accurate because um, that's a horrible pun I didn't mean to make. Um, <laughs> like you know, is this going to lead to a film? Is this a bigger franchise? Is it's this I mean, or is this just yeah, isolated I, to? I don't think they know. Yeah, I, th- I think again right now because the service which, itself is so new, as opposed to like. Netflix, which can then buy some content from other things. This is just going to be original stuff in the beginning. And then they're also going to have every Superman movie, every Batman movie, all of those DC touch points. All the animated movies. Are all going to be just one place. So I think right now they're just, yeah, they're trying to figure it out. They're just like, okay, here is some branded content that you already know that is new. Yeah. And then we will get into some other stuff. It's amazing as we have more content available to us from like television and all this sort of stuff. Um, however you want to characterize it. Mm-hmm. We're moving from a vast playground where you can go get anything you want anywhere to right. now we're siloing it and we're yeah. putting it in these, these special places that you have to, you know, it's just, yeah. it's an interesting shift in where we were two or three years ago to where we're now compartmentalizing everything and making people have to pay, pay yeah. for it. So yep. both Titans yeah, I was I was ready to not like this show, but I enjoyed the whole season. Uh, I am definitely not for season two. The last episode of the season, I think, was the weakest point, which is not a great sign. But the one that, the one that came out this week, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, but everything else, like I, I'm on board for it. So uh, yeah, my my official rating so far for season one of Titans is good. Ten. Uh it's good. Yeah. It's good. <laughs> I'm, I'm born between good and ugly. It's good though. It's good. Worth... And, good and ugly. Not even a bad. It's not a bad. Okay, you said you were between good and ugly. Oh uh, yeah. Okay. <laughs> it's like because there, I mean, there I, is a rating between good and ugly. Because I think either you're in or you're out on it. Yeah. I don't think there's Fair. like a middle ground. Either you're like, oh, I'm fine watching all this stuff, or you're like, this isn't the DC stuff I know, and why would I watch this? Gotcha. Um, but it's so it's. You're either going to really enjoy this or you're going to be like, this isn't, I don't really want to watch this. What's the price point for uh, DC? Uh, $13 a month. Ooh. I say without really knowing because yeah. I, I found other ways. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> but yeah. yeah. Okay. So I, I think All you're right. around there. All right. So uh, cool. So now on to the, the big part of the episode. It's what everyone tuned in for. The annual Goodest of the good, baddest of the bad, ugliest of the ugly. Uh, we will do this round robin style. And I feel like we should lead up to the ugliest of the ugly. That way we can start off on a positive note. Okay. Talk mm-hmm. about the films that we liked. So we each have three films uh, in these categories. And with all of our individual, be it websites or podcasts, uh, you can find our full reviews for these films. And my top ten list. And yours. You have uh, it'll be up. If this, not today, tomorrow. Yeah. I was like, yeah, mine comes out. My top 10 list, I think, is coming out on... Yeah, it will be out by the time this airs. So this is not going to be a spoiler or anything, because these will be... At least my top three films are going to be on there. I chose not to do the baddest and the ugliest on the website, because that is what this episode it's is for. It's funny, because I, I have done a worst films of the year list since uh, 2010. Yeah. Wow. And this year, 
I just didn't have it in me. Yeah, there's too so much, much negativity, negativity in the world. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly right. Yeah. I was like, you know what? I'll I'll chat about them today. I'll mm-hmm. you know I'll drop some names if people ask. But I'm mostly trying to yeah, I'm mostly trying to avoid that. I didn't yep. want to write that article this year. Same. And I actually talked to one of our other local critics about that, and it's like, regardless of how bad these movies are that we'll get to, the ugliest of the ugly, people still put time, money, effort into it, whether it worked or not. Right. So, uh, but yeah. So what we'll do, yeah, we'll go round robin style. Uh, give one each as we as we kind of go. So now these are just are these in particular order? Or um, I just... put I put mine three two one. Nah, I don't have. Any. But I mean, I have mine three two one also. Perfect. But I don't know if that's. Are we starting with three? Yes, and then we'll we'll, we'll start with three. Except for Tim, who's just like I just have three names. I just have three it. names. Yeah. Fair enough. I don't, I don't uh, so with that in mind, so starting with the goodest of the good. Tim, what is the first movie you want to talk about? Uh, Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse. Nice. That's on Solid. my list. Uh, one of the best. You crossed it off your list. <laughs> Dang of, it! It's one no. of the best uh, Spider-Man movies, one of the best animated movies I've seen in a while. Very smart, touching, sweet, very rewatchable. I've seen mm-hmm. it a couple times. I really enjoyed it. Great soundtrack. Uh, it was really cool seeing my friend's kids watch it and seeing oh, their yeah. interaction after we watched it. And them talking about Spider-Man looking like them and those kind of things. That mm-hmm. that was really sort of heartwarming. Yeah. Yeah. Special movie. You can't, awesome. put, a, you can't put a price on that. Can't put a like price that. on that. Little kids run around trying to be Spider-Man. There are yeah, so, little girls. Little boys and girls. There are so many movies I couldn't fit in this three. Yeah. yeah. Well, that is why you and have the, that is one the, of them. the website. So yeah. you're, so you're uh, number, th- is that your number three? No, it's not. Okay. I, there's a long list of stuff that I mm-hmm. couldn't fit on here. So um, your number three choice, Sherlock my, Gnomes. My number three is... is... <laughs> Did that come out this year? I don't know. And well, is that the third or second Gnome movie? I believe no he's movie. referring to Holmes and Watson. Holmes and and stay oh, tuned. Wow. No, I'm just kidding. Um, I went for... I, I put on number three. I I, had, I put eighth grade. No, okay. Not yeah. Bo Burnham's eighth mm-hmm. grade, which Absolutely. is amazingly just sincere, pure, honest, uncomfortable look yeah. at adolescence <laughs> and... and sort of coming into your own and figuring out where you fit in a world that could just as easily cast you aside as bring you along. And, um, Elsie Fisher, a brilliant, (laughs) a brilliant performance, Mm -hmm. um, that will forever be, even though the film didn't have the big sort of box office that people hoped or that, you know, and they, they worked it hard. A 24 tried to get this scene, Many unique and clever ways, and just I think the timing of its release worked against it. It was in the yep. sea of all kinds of summer stuff. Mm-hmm. But eighth grade is is anyone who sees it can't not feel something. There's some connection, even if you're not a girl at the subject of the movie. You know, you're you're still in the periphery of all these characters that exist around her, and even if you were you know that age in an era where you didn't have smartphones and social media, there's still that sort of desire to matter and to be seen and to be heard. And we all go through the struggle of not being able to, to know where we fit at some point in various different capacities. And eighth grade captures so much of that almost astonishingly well when you realize it's written by a 20 something year old guy who has no kids and is not that far removed from adolescence and kind of shrugs his shoulders when he's asked, how did you get this right? Um, So eighth grade, that's what I would put as my, one of my first nice good list of the good. I mean that, yeah, and that film is in my top ten for for the yeah, year. It's, it's um, that you can well. see on the website. It just the raw authenticity, and I think Elsie Fisher 
I mean, she was going, they filmed this the summer between her eighth grade and freshman year. Which is when the movie, yeah. So, I mean, it was just, it was perfect timing. And you nailed it. Like, it is uncomfortable only because of how authentic it is. Mm-hmm. Watching this, no matter, yeah, boy, girl, whether you are different complexion, whatever, like, there are parts of this that every single one of us who went through those horrible, awkward teenage years yeah. relates to. Yeah. Like, it just, yeah, it was it was palpable. So, yeah, uh, and both of them are doing great things. So I, I'm definitely happy for, for them. Uh, my first one, my first goodest of the good, my number three, Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse. There we go. Gosh, <laughs> there we go. dang it. Um, three, I mean, it just like. 3A for me. How about it, that? It is just such a solid movie. A solid movie. Um, I've love, only seen it once it. so far. Um, we had a couple options to see it. I could only make one of those and then just with the holidays, but I definitely plan on putting my hard earned dollars, you know, at that money again, just to kind of the first time. I mean, you have to kind of look at it maybe more with a critical eye because you have to review it and all of this. This next time I just want to go and just be immersed yeah, because, and just have fun with it. The characters were all great. I mean, yeah, the animation style, like I said, in my review, there were a couple points where it looked fuzzy, but they did that with intention. And it was the periphery right. that was fuzzy where it made you focus on Miles or Gwyn mm-hmm. and not the rest. Right. So not, everything not, not too different than the experience of looking at, at printed material, right? Like right. you focused on one yeah. thing and everything in the periphery is blurred and Yeah. Know. So yeah. Number three for me, yeah. Spider Man into the Spider Verse. It's such a wonderful film. I love I smiled the whole time. Yeah. That uh, was great. Absolutely. Great. Tim, your second goodest of the good. Mission Impossible Fallout. Nice. Oh, a great choice. It's nice. it's it's one of those rare popcorn movies that when you watch the trailer you're like it's not going to be this exciting. And then you watch it you're like oh yeah it's it's, <laughs> right. it's exciting yeah. from beginning to end. Yeah yeah yeah. Like there were multiple It's funny for as long as the movie is and as crazy as it is there aren't very many dead points in the movie. Like yeah. everything is sort of progressing the plot forward. Right. Every little conversation it's got that really awesome bathroom fight sequence. Yeah. <laughs> uh which was brutal. Um, which I love about the rewatch. <laughs> mm-hmm. It's got uh, the the rooftop running sequence. Yep, where he breaks, where he breaks his oh, ankle, breaks whatever. His ankle Not just shin, breaks yeah. it, like the slow mo uh, clip that they have shown on a bunch of talk shows that he was on. Yeah, and not just do they show his ankle snapping and like bending in a way yeah. that your ankle is not supposed to no. bend. The second camera, which is facing him. You see his real face yeah. when he breaks his real <laughs> ankle, and then he crawls up on with his broken ankle. Yeah. Starts limping and running. It was like, yeah, <laughs> got to keep the take. Yeah. It's got it going. It's got the sort of bananas third act. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. it's like a little twist, and there's a cool fight sequence with Benji and mm-hmm. you know the main guy, and it's got you know a really cool performance from Henry Cavill, mm-hmm. uh, yeah. and it's got the helicopter sequence. It's got a lot of really really fun stuff, and it was like a lot of fun to watch. And it lived. Up. I remember I saw it at Cinerama because I missed oh, the screening because I was doing my program with the students mm-hmm. yeah. during our. Sc- I was like, when, we, when I got our, our our invite for the screening, I was like, yep. damn it, I'm I remember miss that. The screening. <laughs> yeah, but uh, so I know I went with my friends. We went and saw the Cinerama, and it was like the perfect place to watch it. Oh, I bet absolutely, and it was great. And I, I've rewatched it multiple times, and it's it's still a lot of fun. Very yeah. cool, nice. It's one of the most fun times I've had in a movie this yeah. year, for sure. <laughs> the fact that it made that, even though they get knocked on all the time, an action movie has made so many top 10 lists, mm-hmm. yeah. points out it is not just an action movie. Yeah. So. Yeah. Yeah. Number uh, two. So my number two is Roma. 
Really? So I went back and I watched this a second time. Uh-huh. And wow, I I am still in awe of so much of what Alfonso Cuaron puts together in that movie. Mm-hmm. Um, and for me, it took a second viewing, and I would never begin to profess to understand everything that he's putting into the film because right. it's such a deeply personal uh, film that he's that he's making. You know, is in his mid to late fifties, thinking back to his childhood and mm-hmm. trying to. You know, he's using the inspiration of a, of a nanny uh, that he had. And so he's trying to remember all of these experiences or things he's even heard about. And he's trying to build this sort of scrapbook of memories and narratives around a, a, a very sort of um, conflicted time in, in, you know, Mexico City and, mm-hmm. and, right. and Mexican politics and the culture there that he grew up in. But it is so meticulously crafted and it is so painstakingly put together each scene, especially on a second viewing, it may be that sort of vignette style, that slice of life. Um, what is the Seinfeld joke? This show about nothing. Yeah, like there may be like people that watch this and think, "What? Okay, what am I watching? What is mm-hmm. this about?" Yeah. But if you really stop and like look at how everything kind of leads together, the absurdity of her. Uh, so I know you talked about this a couple episodes ago. So Cleo is the, the housekeeper that mm-hmm. lives with the family that's uh, breaking apart because of a separation and the mom is trying to hold everything together. And so the movie kind of positions away from that sort of family dynamic and sort of just eventually rests upon Cleo or Cleo in her life and how she fits into the bigger picture of the world around her and in this this role as a housekeeper. Mm-hmm. Um, and she's got this absurd quasi boyfriend that she's right. with who's so into himself that he would much rather sort, you know, do the, uh, what is it? The sword display naked in front of her than mm-hmm. actually pay attention to her and all this sort of stuff. So you have the absurdity of that, which sort of speaks to the youthfulness of just, you know, carefree stupidity that we all go through, mm-hmm. but you also have a political drop, uh, backdrop to what's going on. You've got her having to make some very incre- uh, incredibly difficult decisions when she has really no support group or believes she has no support group. Mm-hmm. But even as you watch that story unfold, you're seeing just these snapshots of, of a life around her. And it's just this immersive, incredibly beautifully shot and detailed and edited and sequenced film that that sort of just sits with you long after it's over and you you kind of start to go through and wonder well what does this mean to me i mean right. it's 2018 i'm not from mexico i'm just watching this guy but then you start to sort of see what he's searching for and that's the thing that i thought both times when i've watched it is what is he looking for what is he trying to mm. uncover and you don't necessarily get an answer but you do get a sense by the end of it that whatever she's looking for cleo she's found it She's found her family. She's found a place in the world. And that whole journey, uh, even if it goes here and it goes there, I just found it to be riveting and really surprisingly emotional, more on a second viewing than a first. So Roma, for me, is incredible. And what you just said is exactly what I talked about in my review, where I need more people to see this to basically remind me or to let me know how smart and beautiful this is. Cause I was thinking like for a while, like I'm my quote after I saw it was that was beautiful. I have no idea what it was. Right, I remember you telling me that. Yeah. And so the way that you just said it, the way that you framed it makes all of the sense. And yeah, just it, but this is a movie that I think, 
unfortunately, some people are going to be like, oh, it's just a Netflix thing. I think post Oscars, because this is going to sit on Netflix for a while. Mm -hmm. And especially they're going to make another push here in the next like three to four weeks for Oscar stuff. I feel like this is going to win two Oscars. So which two? Yeah, which two are we talking about? Foreign language. Yeah. Cinematography. See, and what's interesting to me is I'm not sure it's going to win any. Really? And the only reason I say that is that there is a a quirk, and, and I could be wrong. It could be winning foreign language and a walk away, but yeah. which it should, quite frankly, if we see the slate. But mm-hmm. ultimately, there is a history of of the sort of front running foreign language film getting passed yeah, over. Yeah, that Pan, is true. <laughs> Pan's Labyrinth yeah. didn't oh, win foreign language. God. I mean, there's a couple of other yep. examples that I, if I stopped and thought I could think about. Um, I don't know that the Academy is going to know what to do with Roma because you also have the Netflix bias that Mm -hmm. still exists. It is. Who is this interloper bringing all this into it? And you have the fact that it's a foreign language film that may get enough number one votes in that whole system to get a best picture nomination, but only it would be only the 10th foreign film to ever be nominated for best picture. And 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 it's not going to win. No. So, people start looking elsewhere because then you start doing the shell game of, well, everyone's going to vote for Roma for foreign language. I'll vote for this. Yeah. Oh, cinematography is great, but you know, Roma's going to win that. So I'll vote here. And suddenly but Roma also the, goes it, home. When you describe the film, the patience of these voters to sit down and actually watch. Yep. It. Right. I talked to somebody the other day <laughs> they and, might because not. it works against, this is why I think some, I'm sorry to interrupt. No, no, I think fine. this is why some people push back against it so much, mm-hmm. including some folks in our own critics society, because I think in a world that's quick, quicker and that we we need stuff flying at us yeah. more and more this is a film that is such a throwback to yeah. when people would block three out it's not three hours long but they would block the yep. time they would go sit in the art house and mm-hmm. they would you know sit there furrow their brow and say okay what am i going to watch this evening and yeah. then here's this slow rolling kind of episodic movie unfold before them we don't have audiences that want that anymore no. yeah so, i i will not name names but i was talking to somebody recently who was kind of frustrated about it and whatever and said they watched it in four chunks on their phone. Oh no. Well, they're not alone. I mean, we can, we can four tease chunks. about that, but they're not alone. Of course not. I couldn't watch it in four chunks. No. What's that? I couldn't watch it in four chunks. I, 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 mean, I couldn't. Yeah. Yeah. So that, that I think again, is, is also going to go against it, but, but yeah, I mean, it, it is a beautiful movie. So as your number two, nice. Yeah. I like it. Uh, my number two, won't You Be My Neighbor, directed by oh, Morgan Neville. Bless your heart. Yeah. This Mr. Rogers documentary, I have gushed about so many times. The, one of the knocks that I saw against this movie, this documentary, was like, oh, well, I mean, it's just when a documentary doesn't really have any edge and you don't really need learn anything deep and dark, it's not really that involved. And I'm like, what? Like, even when they looked for maybe those deep and dark things with Mr. Rogers, legitimately, there was none. Like, we did not deserve Fred Rogers. <laughs> like, right. he is exactly who we thought he was. Even in his later years, and there were a couple interview segments where you could tell he was more frustrated with just kind of the world and did he really have an impact in his depression? Mm-hmm. That was it. Yeah. Like, and, and his sons that were in this and, you know, and, and their kind of struggles with like that like living with this embodiment, like one of them even said, like with the second coming of Jesus <laughs> as your dad, <laughs> mm-hmm. you know, and when he would get frustrated, it's impossible to live up to yeah. impossible. And when he would get frustrated, like at the dinner table, Mr. Rogers, Fred Rogers, 
I need to say something, you know, intense or whatever. He would do it as one of the voices from the show. And so, like, no. this documentary, though, is just, it is magical. No, and, good. Yeah. And it, it, it meant you've a seen, lot you've to seen me. It I've seen it. Yeah. 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 Multiple times. Um, yeah. I, I saw it multiple times at SIF. Uh, we were fortunate enough to get a screener of it. I plan on watching it more times. Like, were, were we at the same SIF screening and didn't know it? Because of the one I went to, it was packed and there wasn't a dry eye in the Oh, house. Yeah. 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 Like this is, I mean, when it first starts, like in the first 60 seconds of the documentary. the piano. Talk about yeah. yeah. And he's, he's just talking about like, you know, we should just be nicer to each other. And it was just like. Come on, man. Yeah, like, Morgan Neville does a really good job of piecing it yes. together because there's so much content on Mr. Rogers and he has a good job right. of taking taking pieces of it and then laying them out in sort of this this narrative story about his life and his impact and who he is and, and you know his life ending. I thought it was really well done. Yeah. Really well I done. I remember at the the SIF screening I was at, he he Morgan Neville was there mm-hmm. and, and answered a question. I forget exactly the question that was asked, but I remember him saying he was halfway expecting when he started to kind of put all this together, he'd find yeah. <laughs> something that sort of chipped away at what nope. people thought. And he was, and he found a genuine, pure individual yeah, yeah. in Fred Rogers. We, we just, there will never be somebody like that again who, and they always say like, Oh, everybody has skeletons in the closet. It, it, there were none. Like there were, there was one, one of the stage hands. Uh, he talked about how, like he would, that Fred Rogers kind of a jokester or something like that. And there were a couple of jokes that he chose not to like let us know about. He was like, I'm not going to tell that story. Yeah. That was it though. Like yeah. it was not like, oh yeah, he did have these tattoos or like, no, <laughs> like it was just, it was nothing. He had the most wicked tramp yeah. stamp guys. Right. <laughs> Hide his heroin marks on his arm. So exactly. That's yeah, why so wore the long sleeves. Right, right, exactly. Sleeves. So yeah. So yeah. won't you be my neighbor? Yeah. Is, is my number two film of the year. Um, I was able to sit down with Morgan Neville when he was in town and, one of my favorite interviews that I did this year. So, yeah. Yeah. Uh, so Tim, your number one, goodest of the good, you know, uh, or not number one, your third goodest of the good. Third goodest of the good. Uh, it's if Bill Street could talk. Okay. Yeah. Well, I was going to oh, yeah. go with blind spotting, but then I watched if Bill Street could talk the other day and it's, it's really, really good on a second viewing. And I think it's, it's the score and the way it's edited. Mm. I'm, I imagine you both have already seen yep. this movie. Yeah, oh, I've seen it. Yeah. Um, so Jenkins is amazing. The way it's edited, you, you're getting like this beautiful young couple in love in New York, and they're trying to find a place to stay, and you know, it's all this beautiful love story, and then it's 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 inner sort of cut with Fonny being in prison for something he didn't do. Yeah, and mm-hmm. them trying to get him out. So it's just really high, high, and it's really low, low. So you get these beautiful moments of them walking down the street, and it's colorful, and it's bright. Then it cuts to her going to visit Fani, and he's locked up. And he has that emotional reaction when she's talking about getting him out. And he's like, you know, do you know what's happening in here? And there's that clip at the end when she goes to visit him, and you can tell he's been in a fight. And they never Mm -hmm. discuss it, but his eyes messed up, and his, his knuckles, and his lip is busted, and they're just talking. And she has to tell him that, you know, they went, you know, his her mom went to Puerto Rico, and that's going to come of it. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it's a beautiful, so yeah, that scene, it's gut wrenching. It. Oh. Regina King, yeah. <laughs> man, it's 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 a it's and it's a sad movie. I walked out like, yeah, ah, I had to watch something funny because this is depressing. It's, but it was it's, a beautiful it's sad movie. in a way though. I don't mean to step on what you were going to say. It's sad in a way though that I don't know how to characterize it. It's unique, yeah, yeah. in that it's sad that. James Baldwin writing what he wrote in 73, if yeah. I have the year right, 
is a, is, is a, you know, he, he it's 2019. The words he wrote 46 years yeah. ago are still prevalent. Yeah. yeah. And I think one of the things that I, I love about if Beale street could talk many things I love about it is how much restraint Barry Jenkins shows, yeah. yep. which is very much what he did in Moonlight. Absolutely. He's dealing with subject matter that almost begs to go further. It almost begs to be more provocative than what you get on screen. And he's like, no, yep. let me just hold back mm-hmm. because I trust my viewer. I yeah. trust the people watching this movie. Yeah, and we don't know more. We don't ever see Fonny get arrested. None of no. that stuff is in the film. Yeah, no. just... That was something that that I talked about also in, because it is also in my top 10 uh, list that is going up on my blog, is that trust is he earned our trust with with Moonlight and the way that he filmed that. And it was that same thing. It was that restraint. And it was like, I'm not going to show you 40 minutes of him getting arrested and beaten up and all that. It was like, this is this is the overarching story. And to find not just to find that he created the story where we know the violence that I'm sure happened. We know all of these things, but we do not need to see it. Mm-hmm. And the love is what carries through the whole message, whether it is Regina King, you know, and the love for her daughter, whether it is the love for fun. Like it just, it was just powerful. Mm-hmm. Like he, Barry Jenkins is just a master craftsman. Yeah. But great performances for, you know, Coleman Domingo is good in it as, you know, Mm-hmm. Dad, uh, yeah, it's great. Great performances all around. It's it's a really really good movie. Yeah, nice. All right, uh, oh, follow that up, Mike. I can't. <laughs> I'll your, try with your number one. So I'm going to throw a little bit of a curveball. Oh, okay. Um, Aquaman, because won't you? <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> Let's talk uh, Bumblebee. No, so uh, won't you be my neighbor? Okay. Was my favorite documentary. Okay. Until uh oh, I saw Minding the Gap. Okay. Really? Uh, and I want to talk about Minding the Gap, which okay. might be my number one movie of the year. Wow. Wow. This is a documentary that, that high knocked praise. me completely for a loop. And okay. it's, it's well, unless you have Hulu, it's going to be hard to find because it's it's sort of marginalized over on the Hulu platform. Yeah. Um, and it did get a theatrical run and all that, whatever, but it's on Hulu now. Okay. And, um, which you can sign up for, 30-day free trial. Uh, if that's you wanna, right. If you want to catch this. Use I don't the even, code I don't, about to review. No, I don't even kidding. know where to begin. So, Minding the Gap is is a movie that covers about twelve years of a life or of lives. It's directed by a first time filmmaker named Bing Liu, and the idea basically is he's he's wanting to go back because he was a skate kid and and had two best friends, Kier and Zach. And he wants to go back and he stayed in contact with him as he's grown up, but he's in his mid twenties. He's now a filmmaker and he wants to kind of go back and just check in and see how his friends are doing. But along the way, he's shot footage of them just screwing around in skate mm-hmm. parks, hanging out, being friends, having, you know, girlfriends and relationships. And he's sort of compiled all of this footage and his desire is to go back and just check in on everybody. But what he does is he takes all of this footage and he creates this mosaic of, of the life that they've all kind of shared together in different bits and pieces. But what he uncovers is truths that he didn't know existed between the three of them. Hmm. And he uncovers that through just almost, at least as presented in the film, an aside that one of the people in the movie just happens to throw out. And he starts to realize, wait a minute, the way that the, what you're describing is something that I experienced. And I think 
he, the other individual experienced as well. And so you start to see as he's learning, as he's making the movie, all of the different things that he's kind of just seen happen and experienced, he's starting to put context behind and realize that maybe we're the way we are because we truly can be products of our environment. And maybe we realize that we deal with things collectively that we don't acknowledge or talk about, but it creates divides and gaps and things like that. Mm -hmm. So it's, it starts off as just a skate kid documentary and it becomes so much more profound and so much more meaningful. Um, I just remember my wife and I watching it and we just sat there and we hit, you know, stop on the old laptop because mm -hmm. Hulu and um, we just sat and just kind of were quiet for a minute. Wow. Realizing all of the power and sort of the emotion that even he experiences as a filmmaker when he starts to realize sort of in the context of the movie, what he's uncovered. It is an incredible documentary and I can't say enough about it. And um, I, I have no idea what awards hope it has. I mean, mm -hmm. I know it's being talked about a lot, yeah. but it is yeah. an extraordinary piece of film and I, I can't rave enough about it. Nice. So available on Hulu. If you do not already have Hulu, sign up for a 30 day free trial. I will say this. Mm -hmm. There is the 15 film shortlist that the oh, Academy yeah. put together for the first time ever. Um, and I forget exactly who's doing it, but look in your sort of theater listings. Mm -hmm. There are a series of theaters that are going to be showing the 15 yep. documentaries. Mm -hmm. So actually you might be able to see Minding the Gap and any of the other 14 finalists for the Oscar for best documentary feature in a theater. Check your listings. Minding the Gap is one of those. Mm -hmm. um, anyway. Nice. That's my number one. Cool. Uh, my number one blind spotting. Yeah. Uh, would have it. I mean, <laughs> yeah, again, we, we've talked about it before. Um, again, I was fortunate to interview the director, Carlos Lopez Estrado, and he was here for SIF. This is an incredible movie. Mm -hmm. Uh, David Diggs, Rafael Casal, <laughs> like just give, we talked about it again with eighth grade, authentic performances. This is their story similar to their life in their neighborhood, how they grew up and it just, everything felt real. Yeah. Um, the one bit at the end that kind of gets, you know, talked about a bit that is kind of the, the biggest acting, you know, part of it, mm -hmm. it, it still fits within the context of the movie because they layered it from the beginning yeah. where you see some freestyling between the two of them, you know, right. as they're in their <clears throat> moving job so when you get that at the end, when you get this payoff at the end, yes, it is kind of contextually there, but it is kind of different from the rest of the film. But also a lot of a lot of his his dreams that he has in a movie are very much like that as well. Yeah. Or nightmares. Uh, yeah, I was gonna say, yeah, <laughs> yeah or, or, nightmares. or nightmares. You know, he has they're they're very much in that style. Yeah. yeah. Every everybody in this is phenomenal. Uh the way it was directed was so intentional. And I talked to Carlos about that. Like we see a stoplight, you know, and the fact that just sitting at a stoplight was so stressful watching the movie. Yeah. <laughs> and it just like, so every time you see the character come to the stoplight and there are a couple of times and it was like, you know, he looks around and we know his situation. We know that if anything goes wrong, he is back in prison mm -hmm. and the whole time, like this 60 seconds that we just sit at this stoplight and you were yeah. like, please do not run it. Please do not run it. Please do not run it. And like the whole, just the tension was palpable through this whole movie. Right. 
it was just it was phenomenal. I like how it's you know it's it's built as a movie about a guy trying to get through his last seventy two hours of probation, but it's mm-hmm. much much more than that. Absolutely, you know, so much more. Yeah. As you get deeper into the film, it's about justification. It's about racism. It's about police violence. It's about these communities. It's about friendship. It's about family. It's about relationships. Relationship yeah. with his mom, his ex girlfriend. It it's really it's it's one of the best scripts. Yeah, yeah. Of recent memory, I wouldn't I, just say I voted. I voted for I it. Mean, it's. <laughs> It is so well structured yeah. and and thought and out, funny and like yeah. thoughtful and mm-hmm. and, yeah. and scary. <laughs> yeah, I time. mean, uh, like <clears throat> scary in in multiple senses. Yeah. You know, there's the scary and like the okay, what would happen if he messes up and goes back to prison? Okay, it is scary in the what happens with this kid who yeah. has a weapon. What happens with like as soon as you see Rafael Casal's character get the gun in the first place. And you were like, this is a it, bad it, idea. Yeah, no, this is a yeah. really bad. And it's like, a really funny scene, but you're like, this hilarious. is hilarious. It is. It is. Yeah. <laughs> it's like pulling guns from everywhere, you know? And you're like, oh, wait, you're an Uber. Dude, yeah. Like hilarious. But the whole time you see David and you're like, uh, guys, yeah. I got to go. <laughs> yeah. I can't be and so just like, it builds it up as this comedy, which it is like legitimately funny, but, but when but, it goes tense, but oof. like all great comedy and all great comedy sequences, the symbolism that they're drawing on to make you yeah. laugh mm-hmm. is so striking. Yeah, right. and that's what I think that movie does as good as anything you saw all in 2018 is absolutely. Is it just it reinforces? I don't want to say stereotypes. That's probably not the right word, but it reinforces sort of the stigmas oh, that yeah, yeah. that they're traveling in and around constantly. Constantly, but it's also able to make make it make you feel all those emotions that you described. 100%. Yeah. 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 So yeah, they're very much like my cousins in Oakland. That's mm-hmm. real. Yeah. And, that, and, and it comes, that was what that's I talked about. Like with that real. authenticity, like David yeah. and Raphael, like that was where they grew up. Yeah. Like that, it, it just felt real. So yeah, blind spotting. Absolutely incredible. All right. So now that we talked about the great things in 2018, the baddest of the bad, these are films that just had a chance. <laughs> Mm. It is like the worst thing your parents can say to you, and they're like, "I'm not mad. I'm disappointed." I feel like yeah. I'm gonna upset you with two of these Ooh, choices. Yeah, we, we, will, we will see. Let's we'll go. See. So with disappointing, yeah, like bad as the bad is just disappointing that <laughs> had a chance. So Mike, with that, uh, oh lead God, up, make me start. Yeah, Yo, you're going uh, first. Your number three, Ready Player One. Oh, okay, fine. I understand no, that. that's no, totally I fine. really okay. Yeah, no, I understand. That. All right, I'm, I, in a, I'm in a safe house. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Yeah. I wanted to love that more than just the shining sequence. I think I gave it a bad also. Did you really? I thought I thought it was good, but that's just I mean, I I I I appreciate how much went into it, but I just remember watching it thinking this is more spectacle than movie to me. Like you were watching a commercial for all of the nostalgia. Sort of, yeah. (laughs) And I appreciate that whole shining sequence, but I remember thinking to myself you're pitching this movie, and I think it is PG thirteen, right? Yeah. yeah. But you're pitching this movie towards teens and young, you know, young people as like this adventure, and it's drawing on the the, the, the books and Spielberg's involved, and you got all those things in place, and your your sort of centerpiece moment that's the big takeaway is from a movie from 1980 that your entire audience probably doesn't even know exists. <laughs> no, no, no idea. So. It's one of the problems I have with the movie is that it's just so tonally imbalanced yeah. that it doesn't know who it's trying to appeal to. And so I don't dislike the movie, but I remember thinking to myself, man, you got to focus on what, mm. and it's not something that, I don't know. I just, I just remember walking out of the theater, scratching my head and just trying to figure out like, what, what is, what is this? Mm-hmm. So yeah. that was a disappointment to no, me. I understand. I, no, that, that's 
That is totally solid. I take no offense to that because it was just. See, I felt like both of you liked it, so I. I, mean, I, I, I did. I mean, you like do it, like it, but I understand. I, I think it's a I movie gave that... it a bad. I would have to go back. I mean, I watched. It, I watched a lot of movies this year, but it was just. Don't reveal the number. Yeah, it's a movie <laughs> that uh, that lists things. It's one of those movies. Yeah, it's, it's just, a listicle. It's a, yeah. it's just listing yep. stuff. A Buzzfeed yeah. article on film. And and there the, and the one, oh, I gotta write the that one, one thing yeah. trademark that it experiences is the shining sequence, and that's the most yep. compelling part of the film. Yeah, it's the one experience. So it's not really mm. experiencing any of the other '80s stuff. Well, and I I appreciate nostalgia. I think we all do, of course, some level. But what I don't, I I don't know where the threshold is, or at least where people don't see that the the nostalgia is overtaking the experience yep. of the story you're trying to tell. Mm. And I don't know if it's just people get sort of drunk with throwing in all these things and they're like, oh, that'll be fun. Add that. Oh, it's not too much. Go ahead. And suddenly you end up with a stew of stuff that you can't, it has no taste. It's just, it's too much of all this other stuff. Um, so I don't know if it's that or if it's just, we're trying to make a movie for everybody and making a movie for nobody. Yeah. Yeah. So that, that. that is totally valid. Nice. Uh, my number three, baddest of the bad. Fantastic Beasts and the Crimes of Grindelwald. Yeah. Because this was one that I was legitimately excited for. I remember this. Yeah, Fantastic Beasts looking forward to and it. Where you to Find Them. You had a wand at the screening. You're ready to go. No, I did not. I'm sorry. Um, <laughs> uh, the cloak was nice, yeah, though. Let's, that, let's, I enjoyed let's the cloak. compliment John on that. I'm Thank Slytherin you. is what he kept telling me. <laughs> I was like, all right, John. <laughs> uh, well, I walked through the Gryffindor. door. Uh, Settle down. So... I mean, yeah, Fantastic Beasts and Where to Find Them was, it came out of nowhere. Like, it really surprised me with how good it was, how much yeah. I enjoyed being back in the wizarding world of Harry Potter. So with this one, I was like, even though I was not a fan of the Johnny Depp reveal at the end of the first one, I was like, we will see what he does. This movie, Fantastic Beasts and the Crimes of Grindelwald, is a mess. He doesn't commit any crimes. <laughs> mess. No crimes from him. Like, <laughs> he has a meeting. We, we a town see hall. him escape from, Az- not even Azkaban, we, uh, escape from whatever American place he is in. And the kind of zap couple people, would he save somebody? We never know why. Yeah. Like the guy that he kicks off of the flying carriage, but he stops him from drowning, but then he lands in the water. I was like, so do you care? Do we know why you were there in the first place? Like it mm. just, this, this is seven different movies crammed yeah. into one. And we're going to get, I think four, no, three, three more movies. And I have no idea where they go with this. So it was like with the with the way well, it this sounds like ends, they don't know either. They don't know with the way yeah. this ends. It was like this could be wrapped up in the next movie. Yeah, like they could set everything up with the with the things that they hinted at in the books. Wrap it up in the next movie. Three more. Like I just it's so like the I was Hobbit movies. <laughs> I was rewatching. Like I was rewatching yeah. Fellowship recently <laughs> yeah. on Thanksgiving. I, those movies are just masterpieces, and the fact that they took. One three a three book series and made extended versions of those that like three hours long. Beautiful. They took one book, the shortest of the books, with the least amount of stuff and made three that loaded was my, that movies. That was my dad's big. He's like, How are they making this? He called me so upset. How are they making yeah. these three movies? I used to read that book to you as a kid. <laughs> yeah. At, at, at bedtime. I but listen, yeah, it, it's three movies? I listened to the audiobook of that to help me go to sleep, mainly because I just, I need noise to help me go to sleep or I go crazy because yeah. yeah. all I hear is stuff in my head. <laughs> And so, like, it, I love The Hobbit, and they made it three movies. So this one with Fantastic Beast, it was just too much. It was a filler. They're was, trying to fill in a bunch of exposition. Yeah. Do, you think, do you think part of the problem, and, and I know you're a fan of the first Fantastic Beasts, mm-hmm. and, and I kind of enjoyed it, too. I don't love it, but do you think it's just J.K. Rowling? is She's writing these scripts, right? Oh, yeah. So do you yeah. think it's just no <laughs> one? Because now she was like, 
oh sweet, I can do whatever I want. Well, that's I'm what I'm saying. Billionaire. There's like no oversight. No. So she's just kind of turning in scripts and they're tweaking a few things. And I mean, they. This I, is such I, I imagine they made a lot of money. So. Oh yeah. Yeah. And this is such an established property. They have their own Wizarding World of Harry Potter. There are now con yep. uh, conventions that are. Just Harry Potter stuff. My wife and youngest daughter had a blast at the Wizarding World. And I'm sure like, everyone I know who's gone has had a blast. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And I'm sure I would have she a got blast to win there the also. Wand and they got to do all oh, the stuff. Yeah. You get awesome. to wear the sorting hat. Yep. Yeah. She had a ball. Yeah. So I just, I that was yeah. a huge disappointment. So, uh, Tim, your first baddest of the bad. My first baddest of the bad is, I, want to make sure, I don't want to get this title wrong. Oh, the Girl in the Spider's Web, a Dragon Tattoo Story. Oh, oh yeah. I never saw What a this. mess. Dang it. <laughs> I, so I felt like, you know. I kind of feel like I knew it was going to be The Swedish versions were fine. And then yeah. the American version they did. They we're um, okay. Was, I liked the first one. Yeah. I liked I the it was Fincher fun. one. I thought, Fincher yeah. one, great. Thought it was great. Fincher, it's Rudy dark. Mara was fantastic. Rudy yeah. Mara was great in it. Um, but I think with this newer version, it's not really the, the, the Elizabeth we know. She's kind of like yeah, a Bond. Yeah, It's kind of like a James Bond character in this movie. Right. She's doing a bunch of heroic stuff. And uh, um, what's his name? Who's in this? Uh, what's his name? <laughs> I, I don't even see this La- movie. Oh, Lakeith Stanfield so. is in it. Oh, okay. He plays this American guy who ends up going to Sweden because she's stealing some codes for some people are going to use for some nuclear thing. She's chasing down this this group, this crazy group of people who are super interesting, yeah. but we don't spend any time the, yeah, with Yeah, you them. never see. <laughs> and she's got like, you know, it's just, it's dumb. She runs around the whole town, saves some little kid because his dad gets killed. She's got this little kid with her the whole time. It, it, it feels like an action movie instead of a dragon tattoo movie. Interesting. interesting. So, like an action, like an action. She like literally rides her motorcycle her matte black Ducati across a frozen lake as she's escaping somebody. How's Claire Foy though? I mean, is she she's the right fit for something like this? Yeah, with a different script and different story. Yeah, different she's fine. Script, yeah, okay. <laughs> oh, okay, so in a different well, I mean, movie. But she, but, she, but can she's inha- fine. Yeah. she can inhabit an action movie. She can do it. Okay, interesting. She can do it. But yeah, it was, mm. it was a bit of a mess and a disappointment. And everyone can fight. Everyone can <laughs> shoot. Everyone can. It's like fantastic. It's like the Fast and Furious, where everyone can handle guns all of a sudden. Like, Immediately. Oh, you are you a marksman? Okay. <laughs> like, when did that it's happen? It's still like the memes. When it goes, and it was like, when it shows pictures of the first Fast and the Furious movie, it was like, you were stealing VHS players. The DVDs. You were stealing VCRs, yeah. DVD yeah. players, like box TVs, and now suddenly you know how to use rocket yeah, launchers, now, yeah. and you are a master now hacker. The, the government needs your help to stop like, a nuclear attack. It's just pushing buttons. That's yeah. all it is. I mean, it is. Ludacris <laughs> is like a master hacker now. Yeah, Of course. Uh, yeah, course. So it, it, it's, it's some of that, where everyone gotcha. in this film seems to have some sort of elite skill at something that allows the, the story to exist, and it's it's a waste of time. I just remember seeing this show up on the release schedule, and I remember all the like sort of machinations of trying to get Rooney Mara back for a sequel, yeah. and what are we going to do, and... And then suddenly this pops up, and I thought, oh, well, they must be remaking one of the Swedish films. Nope. No, they've <laughs> taken it in a whole different direction. Nope. And it was weird, because I thought the first one was good, and I, I was I always wonder why they never did another one. Because I thought the Fincher mm. did great. Yeah, yep. I, I'm assuming it's financial. One of, one of my favorite opening title sequences is that yes. It's a really great one. I need to look that up again, because I'm having a hard time, but yeah. Yeah, that opening title sequence is fantastic. Okay. Yep. The music, the Trent Reznor score, and all oh, that. Well. Reznor Solid. and Atticus Ross, yeah. yeah it's good, good stuff. stuff. Good stuff. Nice. Good cool. Stuff. Uh, number two, Mike. Baddest of the bad. Sorry, sorry Oh, Tim. here we go. Halloween. Oh, wow. I'm going to punch you in the face. <laughs> Outside of wow. a couple of things. Oh, God. Man, this movie rubbed me just the wrong way. I don't really enjoy so, killing. Huh? You don't enjoy killing. <laughs> it's but, not that I don't enjoy killing. I just want to have a reason for it. 
And yeah. this movie, here's the thing. And, and I will agree that part of the reason why I was so disappointed in this is that I could not properly shelve my bias for my love of the first movie. Fair. And, and I, I rail against this kind of thing. I'm like, no, it's a different property. It's a different yep. movie. You can't. And here I am being a hypocrite. But I will tell you, everything that I love about Halloween 1978 mm-hmm. is not here. And the reason that's a problem mm. for me is because – Halloween was able to be successful without so much of what happens in this movie. Like uh, not a high body count. Well, and even, even, yeah, yeah, I mean, even if you're going to escalate the violence and even if you're going to escalate the body count with a means of like getting to, you know, the main event of, of Jamie Lee Curtis versus Michael Myers, Mm -hmm. uh, Laurie Strode versus Michael Myers, whatever. You don't need to be so over the top and yeah. so – there are things this movie does that I still don't understand. Like I, I don't even understand. Why do we have the 20 minutes of podcasters who get senselessly killed? <laughs> what is the point of that other than making a jab at, at people pa- like our friend John? Oh, yeah, that's that's the point. Yeah, that is, that I mean, is that's the point. really <laughs> the point. So, okay. People are fascinated these days, like Tim, with cereal, with – Dirty John with all of these, sure. you know, so people are upset. They wanted to kind of have that touch point, but unfortunately, and as much as I love podcasting and I believe in podcasting 10 years from now, 15 years from now, mm-hmm. is that going to be a touch point that people can relate to as much as if it were, you know, radio or something. Investigative journalists or something. Yeah. So just, in the context of something that's more. So I, I mentioned that because there were howls when that happened in the theater because mm-hmm. it was, it was such a, I mean, the she way that they're, the, bathroom. the way that they're, doing? right. What's Why, get out of the bathroom. The bathroom. Oh, was, I know. She watched her boy get smashed. And it was like, there, the door is right there. Right. And so even if you're playing on the sort of like the, the stupid people who always die in these movies kind of motif. Right. And, and, it just, it doesn't make sense. If the whole point of the movie is Michael Myers free again mm-hmm. on a mission sort of just driven by fate to go find Laurie Strode. Mm-hmm. Why are we killing the podcasters? Why are we doing this? Like there's yep. just so they just much. Want, they wanted a body count. They wanted yeah. a body count. And I'm yeah. sorry, like smashing someone's head in with the bottom of your shoe. Oh, okay. That was the worst part. I mean, like that's fine if you want, but you're not, that's not what a Halloween movie typically has been. That's not what the first one was at all. No. Yeah. And so I'm watching this and I, and again, <clears throat> different movies and I'm, I'm being a hypocrite, but I just remember sitting there thinking, what are you doing? Yeah. Because, and then, and then ultimately the last thing I'll mention about this that really disappointed me is I still, to this day, I don't understand the construct of her house. Thank you. I don't understand <laughs> what her idea was when there are so many places, when we just see how, how David Gordon Green unveils that, that yeah. house and she's got the monitors downstairs, the thing move like that whole Island yeah. that mm-hmm. is just so easy to move, whether it's on a switch or not. Like I don't, I, yeah. I understand in the final scene, which I won't spoil for the five people who haven't seen the movie. I understand that's sort of the point of the house, yeah. but I don't understand the construct of yeah. the house and why that after 40 years yep. was what she created. So I just have all these issues She's with crazy. the logic and, and the just tone and presentation of it. And it just left me, it left me totally Yeah, I don't understand how... He put the light in somebody's head like a jack o' lantern. I don't know how yeah. he had time for that. I no, s- skinned an entire. I was like, that is not how anatomy works. But man. I also it was think, creepy. I also I think that, that people love Halloween or the idea of the Michael Myers movie so much that they just want to look past yeah. all of that stuff. That's me, and yeah. that's fine. Oh, that's <laughs> I was me. like, have you met my friend Tim? <laughs> but I yeah. also am just like, can we stop and just have like 
a thought and, here. I'm because... with you because that's why I didn't like the Rob Zombie Halloweens because I felt mm. like they, exactly. they, they were like slasher films. Like yeah. that was never a slasher film. Right. The and second so... one is like more of a slasher film, but the first one was <laughs> Excuse me. this guy stalking this woman who he didn't get to kill. Yeah. Yeah. And it, See, it's, to me, it's, it's more of a stalker film than it is like this slasher film with blood and guts. There's very little of that in the film. I mean, to me, you can you can incorporate the John Carpenter score all you want, and use the title mm-hmm. cards and all that stuff. That's neat, great, cool. Yep. It doesn't feel all that far removed, ultimately, from the Rob Zombie. Except stuff for that kid, me. that was the best. The kid is the best thing in the, 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 kid thing in the movie. Great. The kid is awesome. <laughs> the kid is Shame yeah, the, on us for not putting him in the youth category. That a whole. Sequence. I'm drawing on the episode where you yeah. talked about that, but still, I, I nominated him. Yeah, he nice. was awesome. Uh, but that whole sequence is funny. Yep. Like, uh, yeah. Yeah. That's the crazy. He's like the only, he's the only one, one who survives. He's like, I'm out. And that's the last time we see him. He runs yeah, out. Yeah. And then, exactly. Which is perfect. Which is perfect. That's what it should be. Yeah. You don't see him again. Anyway, Halloween. Gotcha. Uh, my second baddest of the bad, Jurassic Park Fallen Kingdom. Oh, oh I yeah. I couldn't even write that down. This is a... <laughs> oh, yeah, man. Man, like, if you put dinosaurs in a movie, I'm going to get excited. If you put a dinosaur in a movie that is pretending to be asleep looks at the camera and practically does a wink and a smile. Wink. Ugh. I mean, come on. Like, this had some of the laziest writing, the worst plot development. Oh, 100%. Like, that the, was my big problem the with the plot film. development of this. Like, the, the end game of the main characters, and I do not care if this is spoiling it, oh, is to don't. let the dinosaurs be free because we now created them, so we need to save them. What? So you want dinosaurs, I mean, like, I get it. The park idea is a bad idea. This is your fourth time, people. Like, come on, this is a bad idea. But then do not make it an amusement park. If anything, create them. Let them live on an island by themselves. Cool. But that island is then blowing up, and we need to rescue them because we created them. And then you bring them to the U.S., and you end with a raptor looking over L.A. Or was it L.A.? or Yeah. It doesn't matter. But, but the... Like, the- <laughs> The conceit of this <laughs> the conceit of this movie is we need to save the dinosaurs that we created so we will put them in modern society. No, no, that's not true. The, <sighs> that was the bad guy's plan was to right. sell them in some black market. Oh, to, to weaponize them. No, he was just selling them. He was just selling them out in the black market so anyone could buy a dinosaur. So they had they were like in California, some coastal town in this I guess mansion. You're right. I, and I underneath thought them, it was to, I thought it was I thought it was like for, right. for military. Want, no. That was the end of the first of Jurassic Park, Jurassic World. But this one, this guy just steals them and he's selling them. Remember, people like typing on computers and numbers are popping up on screens and people are bidding on them. But when the good guys get free in the mansion and little clone girl runs around. Right. <laughs> Which I saw coming the first time, yeah. first interaction with her. Uh, and she, she decides to free them because they're just like me. See, maybe maybe I can't put Jurassic World Fallen Kingdom mm-hmm. 4, whatever we're calling this thing, on the disappointing list because I detested the first one. Yeah. I didn't so, I didn't mind the first one. Neither so, did I. Like, oh, I the first one I was like, I was like okay, this is this is weird and dumb, but it has dinosaurs. I'm I had good. to take a lap around the theater after the first yeah. Jurassic well, World. Yeah, this so, one, it was so just... This has like, I don't know... How like they literally get from wherever they're at in Costa Rica to California in like a day? Oh yeah, yeah. on a ship. Also, I don't know how they fit all the dinosaurs on that one ship. They're not dinosaurs. Well, the architect was Noah yeah. of the ship, so they, there are some like they have them all these TARDIS rooms again. They're dinosaurs, and yeah. they have them all yeah. underneath a, a mansion somewhere. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, of course. I don't know who, how they're so. Say I buy my dinosaur. <laughs> <laughs> okay, yep, how, go for I, it. How do I transport this home? 
You have the cage that it comes in. It comes yeah. with the price. Like a little carrier. I mean, uh, isn't that part of the shipping and handling? Yeah, I'm checking right. in my my Velociraptor. <laughs> well, and then you have like the <laughs> you have the Apatosaurus as the island yeah. is blowing up and the ship is yeah, pulling away. They're like, "Come on, make it!" And you see this Apatosaurus like doing this death fall and this yeah. fire cloud like, and then like <laughs> oh, like man. Chris Pratt gets hit with the tranquilizer gun and he can barely move. He's doing his Leo. Can, can, impersonation. We about, can we just talk about Chris Pratt for a second? Yeah. yeah. We, we like Chris Pratt. We I do. Like, I like Local boy. There is no better example of a guy, in my opinion, in a big blockbuster this year, working for the paycheck oh, than Chris Pratt yeah, sure. in this movie. 100%. He could not care less no. about this sequel. He is just like, look, my marriage broke up. I need money in the bank account. Yeah. Keep keep Let's keep go. the checks coming. Yeah, what he, do you he, need he, me to yeah. do? He sleeps walked through the whole movie. He is... Yep. absent in this movie while being in it. Yeah. yeah. He um, was much more in the film the last time around yeah. where you felt like, oh, he's sort of a dinosaur herder person well, and, and then, he can and, communicate. But and this then is you, like, nope, I'm just a guy. And then you see him in Avengers Infinity War and, and Still in the Guardians show. of the Galaxy yeah. and he's back just <laughs> yeah. Chris Pratt, everybody. <laughs> it's like, I see how this goes. Uh, yeah, yeah it's, it's a terrible movie. And uh, <laughs> Yep. Yeah, that that last scene and like I'm always amazed in these films how the T Rex just sneaks up on people. Oh yeah, multiple. No times. one hears it coming. Yeah, like, you are a thirty ton <laughs> monster. I'm so forgot. So. Whose movie was this? I completely forgot. Was it yours? Yeah, this is <laughs> mine. We've yeah. taken it over. So yeah, this is my my second. Yeah. So oh. Tim, what is your second baddest of the bad? Uh, Venom. Solid, oh, yeah. solid. Venom choice. makes my list. I almost. Uh, I was gonna go with Aquaman, but as the best though. As the, <laughs> <laughs> you know, I'm gonna go with Aquaman. Oh, I'm with Aquaman. An audible. Flip I'm flipping it. Audible. Well, Aquaman. Venom was bad, but uh, here's the thing: why Aquaman was so frustrating. Aquaman was frustrating because they get so much of the movie right. Yes, they the do. Costuming, <laughs> so okay. close. That, and they they get so much of it wrong, and I just didn't understand it. I didn't understand the bad CGI when they were in Sicily. I didn't understand the the big CGI fight sequence at the end underwater. I didn't understand the war. The yeah. war that lasted five minutes. There's no chemistry. And it, okay, so there's an, an animated DC film called Justice League: Throne of Atlantis. Throne, oh, okay, yeah, very similar story. Yeah, but much better. Yep, because Orm's whole thing is like the surface dwellers are killing the the Earth. We have to stop them and prove that we are kings of Atlantis. Now you would think, coming off of I don't know Black Panther and these other films, that you was like, hey, there's a more interesting political way to frame this movie to make it more fun sure. and more palatable. Nope, they turn Orm <laughs> into like just an angry bad guy, and, and instead of having a more compelling story, he's got to fight his brother. And it's did you notice this? See, and I did not notice this until I watched some clips of it. They CGI'd. So first of all, everybody underwater, they put on kind of some like bald caps and mm-hmm. then CGI their hair, all of it. Mm-hmm. Orm's mask is CGI and it actually like the brows kind of furrow and it emotes. Mm-hmm. So this metal mask that he puts on has character movements. They have an octopus oh, playing drums. Really? It's really oh yeah, bizarre. for no reason whatsoever. Just, he's getting it too. <laughs> he's like Quest Love out there. It's like because- <laughs> it is it is oh. the best. So it has a lot of weird stuff in it. It's it's so weird and so bizarre. I get why people like it. But it, it gets it's it's the baddest of the bad for me because I felt like it was so close. A, 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 after Wonder Woman, I said, okay, maybe they're learning something over there at Warner Brothers. <laughs> I, think, I think we all said that, right? And mm-hmm. this is going to be with their correcting course. And this was just another one of like, 
there's moments of like brilliance and then there's moments of like utter stupidity and I don't understand how it all threads into one movie. Wow. It's like it was like okay. there were four people making this movie. Well, and plus when you think about like so we have three four bad guys, you know, four. uh kind of. So with Black Manta, you know who we assume is going to be the big bad and I'm not going to spoil anything, but if this sets up a sequel mm-hmm. and Black Manta is the big bad and it will and it will, it will oh, for sure. We just saw Jason Momoa, Arthur Curry as Aquaman defeat his brother, an expert fighter with this certain weapon and we see Aquaman unlock powers but we are supposed to believe this dude is just going to take him on yeah How? he's what? gonna he's gonna get some atlantean weapons and fight him Again. i don't know I, I, yeah Ugh. i don't i don't know like how does he take apart that atlantean tech and put it immediately back yeah this this nobody has this this prototype prototype he's like oh i'm just gonna do my human tinkering and yeah, figure with, it out with the phillips <laughs> screwdriver yeah. this, you know, we have no like, idea what? what what his intelligence is we just know he's a sea pirate mm-hmm. and also he's a really cool character but he's gone for large chunks of the film yeah he just he shows absent. back up and it was like oh uh he is back in this yeah no, wow. he's back. Oh, he's fighting. And then he's gone again. Yeah. There's, wow. a, lot, there's a lot of that. So last minute Audible. So Aquaman. switching from yeah. one comic book movie to another, Venom to Aquaman. Yeah. So, Mike, your third baddest of the bad. Oh, uh, Darkest Minds. Ooh, I didn't see that. Interesting. That, I had When I was going through my list of movies that I saw this year, I was like, that one popped up, but I was like, what is that one again? And I looked up, I was like, oh. It's garbage is what it is. <laughs> It, it wow. is. And I'm mostly mad because it wastes Amanda Stenberg and Harris Dickinson, who True. are two mm-hmm. fantastic young actors. I don't understand The Darkest Minds. I'm not too proud to admit that I don't understand that what valid. the heck that movie is about. You have a dystopia where kids have powers. A number of them have been killed. Mm-hmm. There's only a handful left. You have bounty hunters. You have... Um, uh, what, what, what am I trying to say? Uh, places uh, that they sanctuaries. go. Sa- thank you. Sanctuaries. Yeah. Sanctuary cities For and locations. For what reason? We have no idea. You have a rogue president's son who is apparently, he's, he's vile and disgusting, and yet there's no reason why he should even exist in the movie. Yep. You've got a president. No reason why he should exist in the nope. movie. You've got this whole thing about getting cured and not getting cured. I just don't understand and i'm okay. i'm fine admitting that critics never like to admit that they don't get something i mean i don't get the darkest mind that was kind of me with me with roma you know similar type of thing where i was, i can but with roma i can respect it for what it was darkest minds same thing i was like at the end of this movie we get this big moment where she is uniting people where and why yeah and what is the and you can tell that this is based off of a book series a young adult book series yeah where the majority of audiences going to this who probably know the books are like, oh, this is so-and-so and and this is so... But those of us who do not know the story, I was just like, what is happening? The moment it begins, Amanda Stenberg's character is doing narration. And I can tell you, the moment she starts speaking, you know, and I'm not going to remember, but it was something like, um, you know, when they discovered the cure, blah, blah, blah. Right? There's just Mm -hmm. some of that. Exposition, exposition. And I'm like, this movie already feels 10 years old. Like it wow. just immediately feels like something that like a script that got passed over because they wanted to make divergent, which I know is not 10 years old, but you get my point. Yeah, yeah. Like it yeah. just feels dated and archaic and it is just stupid on every level. And I, Fair. I don't get it. Okay. So the darkest minds valid. All right. Uh, my last baddest of the bad mm-hmm. 
The Predator. This movie. (laughs) Oh, what a mess. It's so dumb and so just. It's such a waste. Super poorly. Oh, the uh, yes, my ugliest of the ugly, which we will get to, has the worst editing. But (laughs) this movie, The Predator, it takes so many cool concepts, and I feel like with, with all of the Predator movies, except for the first one, you take these great concepts and you do nothing with them. No. And you boil it down to just random action. And this is way funnier than it deserves to be. Because I was laughing out loud at the right moments. Like, at the funny parts of the movie, they were great. But then it also wants to be a dark sci-fi horror alien movie. Yeah. At you the same time, and it was like... autism. You got a guy with Tourette's. Uh, yeah, and it was like, disability checklist. Boom, boom. People are going to love this. Representation. It was and like, we're going to joke about them. <laughs> yeah, and we're multiple times. It was just, it was a mess. The last scene of the movie, which lasts for like 10 minutes. The spaceship sequence? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, well, no, the the uh, pod sequence. Oh, yeah. yeah. As it is happening, I'm talking to Jed, who I saw it with, and I, I leaned over and I was like, oh, it would be cool if it was this. You know, and then, like, the camera pans around a little bit. We see more steam come out of the pod. He leans over and he was like, what about this, this? I was like, yeah. Camera pans around, more steam. And I was like, we gave each other, like, six different options for this movie. And it took none of it. It took the (laughs) biggest cop out. Yeah. And, oh, it was just, it was awful. I don't understand the predator who's there to help save humans, but he's Mm -hmm. murdering them. All of them. without, Without even thinking. Yeah. He's murdering everybody, but like, I'm here to save you guys, but you're dead, you're dead, you're dead. <laughs> like, what? To, are you here to save us or are you here to kill us all? Can I tell you guys, when, you know, we get into a lot of a lot of very dumb conversations on social media. One of the yes. dumbest I had this year yeah. uh, was with a young woman who said she's, you know, they're going to do this crossover between Predator and the Marvel movies. And what? Oh, oh I saw that. The if, hot take. If, if anyone has seen this movie and how it ends, we know they're doing it. And me trying to be pol- a polite person was yes. like, <laughs> I don't know if, A, this movie's going to make enough money for it to even be a sequel. No. Predator made a lot of money, yeah, though. But it made time, a, I was yeah. like, I don't know. But, but it's at the point where it's really toxic. So I don't know if people are really going to want to be attached sure, to a sequel. Sure. But I also don't know. If contractually, that's a thing that could happen. No, it, it, it can't. They're, okay, yeah. that is it is Dark Horse Comics. There is no way. I to, didn't want to get into all that. I just yeah. was like, I don't yeah. know if contractually it's something that could happen. And You're still her, trying to be nice. Her response was like, "Oh, you must not know," and and talked about all these comic crossovers. Said that's a comic crossover. Mm-hmm. That's way different than we're talking about with these films. I was yeah. like, yeah, Batman has fought Predator multiple yeah. times. Superman fought the aliens. Yeah. Like Dark Horse and DC yeah. did some great partnerships. So I don't not not yeah. yeah. So just this movie yeah. was just a waste, and it was it was one of the craziest things. I was like, I'm taking crazy pills because this person does not understand. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. So the Predator gets my number one baddest of the bad because again, I love the Predator original Predator movie. I like some of the other ones. I have a bunch of the comic books. There are so many amazing things that they could have done, and they did none of them. Yeah. So yeah, mm. uh, Tim. Your final baddest of the bad. Uh, and it cannot well, be hold on. Are we in bad or ugly? No, Is we're that, in bad. Because I've gone through my three bads. I know. You started. You, you started. Oh, I thought you started. No. You started. Tim, continue. Uh, <laughs> the Happy Time Murders. Nice. Okay. Uh, so I forgot I watched this movie. <laughs> so I was like Fair. looking through a list of movies I watched to like come here. I was doing some prep and I was like, mm-hmm. oh, wait, I did see this movie. 
it looks funny in the trailers if mm-hmm. you like R-rated puppets, but man, that's kind of it. If you watch the trailer, you pretty much you've gotten your laughs. What if we didn't see the trailer? Uh, it is R-rated, <laughs> and the world with R-rated puppets, and puppets are being killed, and there's all kind of sex jokes and poop jokes and yeah. drug yep. jokes and yeah. more sex jokes and more cop killing jokes. And Melissa McCarthy's a human partner, and she's got a puppet partner, and it's that whole kind of like you don't trust us puppets and it's sh- puppets shaking before they shoot people. And it's stupid. It's, it's so, it's <laughs> yep. so dumb. It's like someone took a, a, like a sketch from like a comedy show and try to make it a two hour feature film. Totally agree. And it just doesn't work. Yep. They're doing drugs. They're like candy or drugs to them. It's all, it's this really bizarre world. It's someone who was probably high out of their mind when they wrote it and it sounded cool and they pitched it and it sounded, I, I, listen, here's the thing, to be honest, I can see this thing sounding funny on paper. And in the clips, like in the clips, clips, it was funny. I could see someone being like, here's the idea. It's Melissa McCarthy. It's puppets. It's, it's a sex ring. It's nudity. It's drugs. It's all these things. And it's going to be really funny, R-rated puppy comedy. But then when you, when it's actually laid out in the film, it's, it doesn't work. It's not funny. Yeah. It's, 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 it's a lot of groaning more so than lash. Like, Mm ah, they, they really did that. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Except for you know, the outtakes of them doing the scenes was yep. way funnier than the movie. The outtakes were incredible because it actually showed like the advancement in puppetry technology. Yeah. So they're still like the legitimate puppets that like that we grew up with. But the way that they're able to use green screen, yeah. where it actually like so they have the full puppet and you see them with the sticks, but the sticks are also green screen and the person manipulating them. So you can see somebody walking yeah. down the street. Like yeah. it's pretty cool. That is. Like that behind the scenes was way more enjoyable, way more enjoyable than, than the actual movie. Movie is terrible. I'm biting yep. my lip. I'll what? Just say that because you liked it. Uh, no, I may be talking about it here in a moment. Oh, oh. okay. <laughs> uh, and on that note, so uh, those were our baddest, the bad, the ugliest of the ugly. These are the films that, in our individual opinions, were the worst films of 2018 of the hundreds of movies you know we have seen. <laughs> So I will start this one. Mm-hmm. Since yeah. Tim, you started first, and Mike second. My number three, mm-hmm. The Little Stranger. Did not see it. That horror movie? Yeah, the horror movie with Domhnall Gleeson. Oh my god! Will Poulter. I completely forgot about this. I forgot movie. about that movie. <laughs> Late August yeah. release, right? <laughs> yep. Snuck in and snuck out. Yep. So I saw this movie, not knowing that it was based off of a book. That apparently the book is really well regarded as like this kind of a. Uh, English horror haunted house story. You would think with a haunted house, there would be some haunting things. No. It would be like the crimes of Grindelwald not showing us any crimes. The way The Little Stranger is filmed is great. And the music cues up to it really nicely. I talked about it in my review, but the camera kind of like slowly goes around a corner, like almost around somebody's shoulder. And I'm not looking for a jump scare. I do not need that. I actually prefer the tension horror but this, it goes around the corner, stops, literally nothing happens. It goes on to a different scene. And then you hear a creepy sound. The camera slowly goes down the stairwell, stops. Nothing happens, goes on to another scene. I was oh like, my goodness. fool me once, <laughs> shame on me. I mean, like, it does this does so it, many times. Does it ever pay off a jump scare? No. There, <laughs> there, I had to think about it because there is one scary moment where... And from what I can remember of this dumb movie, the only time that somebody's actually attacked by a spirit is kind of scary, but that is it. And, I, and again, I do not need 
jump scares. I don't need blood and guts horror. No, but I just it, need tension it and seems foreboding. Like teasing something that never comes. That, never. Oh. <laughs> and then the way it ends, again, it, to people who read the book, I'm sure they were like, ah, I like what you did there with me. I watched it and I was like, that was it? That was your big reveal that this was the supposed haunting thing? Like, this was just frustrating. The whole movie, I was just frustrated. Damo Gleeson is great, and he is one of the most transformative actors mm-hmm. that we have seen in a few years. Uh, punchable face McPuncherson, Will Poulter is in this. <sighs> Um, Again, he's good in things. He's just and he was, he was decent in this. Like the cast in this, you would think would be way better than it was. So Will Poulter, Ruth Wilson, who was great, mm. Charlotte Rampling, oh, uh, Donald Gleason. Like the cast is not the problem. The story and the way it just it was a mess. So yeah, so that was my number three ugly, ugly little stranger. Uh, Tim, uh, traffic. Wait, which traffic? Tra- oh, uh, Halle traffic. Berry? No, not Halle Berry. Wait, what is traffic? Um, it's got, uh, what's her name? Paula Patton in it. And is this, okay, I'm sorry to get inside to... baseball. Is this the movie that we got emails about and emails about? Yeah. And email- oh. Traffic. <laughs> Never, oh, never, that one. I never watched from the... I did not. I forgot that movie existed. Okay, yeah, please. Traffic is... What did I know, miss? It's, it's her and her boyfriend for her birthday. She's like She's like a writer. And she gets past someone like steals her story, so she's all upset. So her and her boyfriend, played by Omar Epps, go on this like weekend vacation to like his boy's place, the super nice place, right? And when they're at this gas station, this woman like she looks like she's like methed out, whatever. And they have a little run in, and then she gets. To, I'm gonna look this up they, while you're talking. She gets. I had to look it up. Yeah, also. she gets to. Uh, <laughs> they get to the house and they realize the woman dropped her her phone in her purse, and on the phone, all these images of all these girls who are being sex trafficked. And meanwhile. <laughs> Last Alonzo, who plays th- their friend, it brings his girlfriend, and then uh, it's like a surprise, and so they're all four in this house, and then they do they do the thing where like there's tension in the house, mm-hmm. and then there's people outside the house, so they call the police, like police, right, right, right. We found this phone, whatever. Oh, we'll be there, but then these dudes show up, the mm. tra- trafficker guys, and like give us the phone, rah, rah, rah. so you um, throw the phone out of the house, the movie is over, done. Okay. But, <laughs> but she, she's a reporter, so she's trying to get some scoop, Ugh. scoop. And then uh, there's like this. So the worst when I knew this was the bathroom, when I already knew we were going to down that lane. But they have like this fight about Laz Alonzo tells Mike uh, Mike Epps character, not Mike Omar Epps, Omar Epps, Omar Epps character, Epps, yeah. like you slept with my girl, and I knew that. And so what? It's like she's like it was before you guys met, but all, it's all four of them. All both couples are sitting there and they're having this bizarre conversation. So he gets upset, he gets drunk. <laughs> Now he's gonna go. He's gonna go squash this with those guys out there. I'm oh, a negotiator. Boy. That's what I do. He, he does. Give him a phone. There's no negotiating. Just I'm gonna talk. I'm gonna. You guys stay here. I'm gonna walk us through this. We're not getting out of here. Missy Pyle plays a sheriff. Oh yeah, she's the sheriff. What? I just love that. So I, I had <laughs> oh, to pull it up. I pull it up also. The synopsis: A couple off a romantic weekend in the mountains yep. are accosted by a biker gang. Yep. Alone in the mountains, Bria and John must defend themselves against the gang, who will stop at nothing to protect their secrets. Yeah, that is a plot from 1984. Yeah, it's um, it's like breakdown, but not good. Oh wow. Yeah. So anyway, so you know, of course, they they're it's trying to say something about human trafficking and it being a serious issue. And there's this title card at the end about the number of women that are trafficked and what happens sure. and <laughs> the small towns in on it. So the right. serious issue gets a title card. Yeah, it's like the small wow. town and all these people are in on this trafficking and she's got to find a way around it. And, and that's the secret of the biker gang. Yeah. 
I guess. Oh they're, my! They're I, thought I thought their secret was love. No, they're trafficking people. Oh, they're okay. dragging these women up and. Tra- you know what's funny? So, spoiler. Oh, nobody cares. The girlfriend, <laughs> the girl, Lazalon's girlfriend leaves because she's upset. There's a fight, of course. But they kidnap her, and apparently they're back again, and they have her. They're, they're trafficking her too. So when. When so there's Paula, no age limit on the trafficking? Yeah, we so, just... yeah, so when Paula Patton shows up, she's getting quote-unquote trafficked. Mm. She shows up in like this underground cave-looking thing. The girl's there. But the girl looks like she's been strong on a heroin for like two months. It's been 12 hours, maybe 12 hours. <laughs> and she looks like dirt, bro. She's wow. so like, she's almost unrecognizable. She's like, is that you, Maria? She's like, yes, that's me. Behind the scenes footage. Oh yeah, them arguing in the house. Wow. Oh. Um, yeah, so yeah, it's okay. got this terrible domestic argument, and it's just it's all of this. <laughs> du- it's such a dated I, film. I, I was gonna say just movies. that description. It's like biker, biker gangs were big enemies in the eighties. Yeah, come on. Well, I mean, they move drugs now. I get it, but um, still like that. So when 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 Omar Epps dies, <laughs> she has this emotional moment of like her crying to the gods, like oh arms outstretched might as well oh, she's like wow. in, in the like, rain you but know it's, it's a point in the movie where like you should be moving now like i get it mm. i get your man's dead i got you but yeah you should you need to pick up the pace <laughs> like why are you still here in the house like you should probably get out of here yeah crazy oh, it's just okay. people I making sh- dumb decisions for 90 minutes should have asked for that screener so so traffic traffic traffic's number two number uh one. mike number three number ugliest three. of the ugly <clears throat> so i'm gonna Cause a little ripple effect and Ooh, mention oh. the movie Bohemian Rhapsody. Ooh. Wow! So <laughs> wow. Here's here's shot. the deal. I I don't think it's going to be on my worst list of the year, but I'm going to take the opportunity to talk about Oof. how ugly a movie I think this is. So okay. While I will concede that Rami Malek gives an incredible performance, phenomenal, and the Live Aid reconstruction at the concert sequence phenomenal. is unbelievably well done yeah. down to the pepsi can yeah. exactly <laughs> on the piano <clears throat> and that not, the, a, not even sorry not yeah. even just that the mess on the yeah. piano like the oh, yeah. spills on the like yeah <laughs> yeah that was impressive yeah um and it sounds incredible mm-hmm. i have never been so angry <laughs> watching a movie <laughs> that doesn't care that you don't know the truth. Yeah. Yep. And I know totally that this valid. is a complaint about biopics that people can make all the time. Jamie Foxx was amazing in Ray. Ray was a great movie, but Ray doesn't really tell the truth about this, that, this, right? You can point to all these different biopics. Right. about That's just the nature of the beast. However, when you take easily documentable, documentable facts and you just tear up the piece of paper they exist on and burn it in front of the audience. Mm -hmm. And then you give them an amazing sequence where they're singing a song we all love, or you're showing Rami uh, Rami Malek as Freddie Mercury, giving this incredible like speech. And we just cloud over everything around it being fake and not true and not honest and not even letting Freddie Mercury's coming out be his own story. Mm -hmm. It has to be given to him by his wife at the time. Yeah. You have so many things going on in this movie that are so false. Yeah. And it doesn't care. It doesn't care that the audience doesn't know whether that's really true or really not because, hey, wait, we're going to do We Will Rock You Now. Yeah. Oh, you know what? Hold on. Give us five minutes and We Are the Champions is going to sing and that's going to make everything okay. I was so angry watching this movie and I, I guess I'm not surprised because Queen is such an institution in rock music. Mm-hmm. 
But I'm a little surprised that people, including people in the industry that may be voting for this for Oscar consideration, don't seem to care when the playing field can shift depending on what we like and what we don't. Right. Yeah. Because there are some just egregious errors in this movie. What's your biggest error in this film? Um, well, the fact, uh, there's a lot. The, the, the one that really sticks with me is the fact that the band never broke up before Live Aid. Yep. And they use his discovering that he has a or HIV and AIDS to, to be a catalyst into getting them back together to perform this concert. When as a matter of fact, he didn't, he wasn't diagnosed until years after live. Yeah. Yeah. That to me, in addition to the scene where his wife has to tell him he's gay, yep. those two things in this 2018, 19 climate strikes such a false chord with me in a world that is trying to, I mean, we look around and we see representation more than ever before in our movies and in our art and in our our Mm -hmm. culture, almost in defiance of the political world we live in. Mm -hmm. And you have a movie so scared to death to let Freddie Mercury's story be told. And we're just going to be cool with that because, you know what? Killer Queen is such an awesome song. And and also, I think Rami's so good in it. And he's so good in it. That's the thing. Yep. It, it covers up a thousand and it, words. And it doesn't even get into, and people don't give two you-know-whats about the fact that Rami Malek and Brian Singer were in fights the whole time, yeah. that mm-hmm. Rami, Rami Malek wanted to do certain things with his character. They don't. People don't care that Sasha Baron Cohen wanted to make the Freddie Mercury story and the other band members said no, and Bohemian Rhapsody couldn't get made until the surviving members of yeah. Queen approved the script. Mm-hmm. Which, is, ha- which is why... Because you need the music. And which is why you get so many beats in this movie... Of the banners being like, I had an idea for this song. Don't, don't, don't. And it was like, <clears throat> oh, really? I had an idea for this song. And then it goes, and it was like, we get it. You are a band. You each had ideas. But yeah, the, the band's almost interference in the movie. Yeah, it's not about them at all. And But it, it man, they wanted they it to, to be. Like, and unless I'm mistaken, the last thing I'll say about this is, unless I'm mistaken, nobody affiliated with Freddie Mercury's life had an input into the story being told about his life. Other than the band, no. Uh, Other than the band. Around the Green Book. Oh, well, don't get me started on Green Book. (laughs) Mm -hmm. You saw Mahershala Ali apologize to the Shirley family? I I saw that. Yet, anyway, so bottom line is, it's not that Bohemian Rhapsody plays loose and fast with the facts. It's that it does it with an arrogance and a a just disconnect because it's also self-serving. I don't know that technically I can stand here and say it's the worst movie of the year but just the overall ickiness that mm-hmm. it that it is what it is you left with a gross feeling it just feels wrong on yeah. so many places and you know what i'm guilty i went and loaded up the queen greatest hits album because i love queen's music yeah so, so Same. I, I spent the weekend listening to those songs and i'm still just disgusted that yeah. everyone just looks past so much that's wrong with the movie so there totally you go. yeah Totally it's on agree. the ugly list. Uh, yeah, I, I hate to see it on there, but I you are absolutely correct in, in all of your things. So, uh, Okay, my number two, ugliest of the ugly, The Happy Time Murders. Oh. <laughs> this movie... Welcome back. ...is atrocious. It's a, a train like, it, it is offensively bad. And not just like offensive jokes. Oh, who cares? Silly string everywhere. Like, yeah, we get it. Yeah, silly string. Oh, but it was God. just... It was it was just awful. It was absolutely awful. But Tim already talked about it. 
Uh, I have a feeling Mike might be talking about it also. But yeah, the Happy Time Murders, number two, Ugly City Ugly. Uh, I'm not going to spend much more time on it. Cool. It was terrible. Should not have been made. Uh, a second Melissa McCarthy movie almost made the list, but oh yeah. Uh, but Tim, what is your second ugliest of the ugly? Oh. That 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 almost made my list too. Mm-hmm. This is maybe a smidge controversial. Mm. Assassination Nation. Oh, interesting. I missed that one because it 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 it. Fe- I think we know a couple people that love that. Movie. Here's the thing. Much like your take on, we know a couple people who well on, on Bohemian Rhapsody. <laughs> mm-hmm. It just felt so mean spirited that I just could not deal with it. I was like, you can't, why sh- this, you can't shake the stain of that. Why is this yeah. movie so mean? <laughs> it just felt mean. And it was just relentlessly mean. And the world they tried to create about social media and people mm. and, and liking and texting and oh, all that. Oh, that was and that. People one. get exposed and the town goes crazy. Gotcha. It just felt it just it felt very thin, the world they were building around it. Mm-hmm. And it, it it felt like a movie trying to say something that's really said nothing to me. Like, and it, cause it, it was just mean the entire time. Like every five seconds, like something, something very, very mean was happening. And maybe it just speaks to my spirit. Like I'm not a mean person. And I just couldn't understand why the movie was so mean all of the time. It's kind of like me with Halloween yeah. earlier. It was just mean. I didn't, I didn't understand <clears throat> it. People, and I see it popping up on people's list that they loved it. And it was one of their favorite films of the year and, and girl power. And, and I get it that all that's in the film, but man, man, was it mean? I couldn't get with it. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. Okay. Nice. Uh Mike, your number two. Ugliest well, of the ugly. Well, let's uh <laughs> let's let's hold off on one other uh and just let's let's bring the Fifty Shades franchise into the barn. Oh, the whole Fifty Shades. And Congratulations. Let's just put it out to pasture. It's done. It is done. It didn't end soon enough. I heard the this last so I have not seen any of them. Because don't yeah I know I heard oh, this the first last one was kind one, of a comedy I heard the last one was the worst one of all of them it is oh it's the, it, it had to be, <laughs> to be. <laughs> these are awful films okay I don't care there is nothing I you don't tell me Dakota Johnson's good in these it's movies Twilight fan fiction it is literally it is exactly what also just as an aside we we uh, in our little emails got news of a movie called After which is coming in April. Yeah. That started as Harry Styles fan fiction, so just chuck that up oh, as you get ready to interesting. see <sighs> essentially what looks to be a teenage Fifty Shades franchise ready to what? drop. Can't wait. Coming I'm trying in to April. think if I. But back to Fifty Shades Freed. Uh huh. It is garbage. Uh huh. I'm not a prude. I don't. It's nothing to do with the fact that it's a sexually charged movie. That has nothing to do with it. It's the fact that it is so infantile, stupid. Illogical, bad writing, bad writing. Mm-hmm. I mean, we're talking romance novel, grocery store level depth for three films. Yeah. Uh, you know, it, it just it is the most <laughs> for people who think that it empowers Dakota Johnson's character, or that it is oh, no. ultimately something to do with f- female empowerment and all of this kind of stuff. I'm sorry. Point to me one example in six hours of Fifty Shades movies mm-hmm. where she ultimately does not make a decision that does not make him, Jamie Dornan's character, I don't even care what his name is. Mr. Gray. Feel, Mr. Gray, thank you. Oh, there feel, we go. <laughs> feel better about himself and his, his choices. Life. Or the, I mean, it is yeah, just I know, absolutely. It's funny you say that because that, that was my takeaway from the garbage. very first movie was like, you're turning this toxic relationship where he stalked this woman into a love story. And I don't understand how, how we're Hail, getting Taylor's oldest time. <laughs> even even if so, my wife who doesn't like the first movie and hasn't seen the other two, 
she even was trying to like talk it out in her mind. I remember we saw the the first one and she's like, you know, there is something to the knowledge. There's something to the idea that that, that women like to be picked. So I can kind of understand he picked her and then women tend to like always want to change. But then she talked herself right out of it. And then we had two yeah. more movies to sit through. Oh. It is, it is garbage. I don't ever okay. want to talk I can't about it. I can't believe you watched Shades. it. Well, I, your wife wanted to see it. No, she didn't no, see it. No, she she wouldn't watch the second Were or third. Were you bored? Were you like, I have nothing to do tonight? There was I needed a movie for the mm. website, and that yeah. was the only thing screened oh, in that week. Man, you gotta wow. watch an anime. And I movie. sat through the other two. Uh, okay. You, you're a completist. You Trash. Like, I've got to complete this movie. Fair. Trash. I never plan on watching those movies. Yeah. So I still saw something worse than that though. Uh, oh, I know okay. we did. We all did too. Uh so my top I think we have the same one as number one. You and I? Oh, for sure. Okay. <laughs> So my my number Should you one. Should say it all at the same time? I know, I know what it is. <laughs> my my number one, the ugliest of the ugly, the worst film of the year. Yeah. We talked about the editing. This movie has the worst editing I have ever the seen worst. in my life, ever. Yes, Mile Twenty Two. Mile Twenty Two. <laughs> mile mile Twenty Two. Like, I haven't oh, seen it, but I've heard so oh, much about my it. My God, like so. Featuring get, WWE Women's Champion Rock. We're, we're going to skip me. We're just both going to talk about this yeah. because yeah. it's my number one. Yeah, okay, yeah. yeah. So it's rock and fire. You Here we take go. one of the greatest living, I will I will preface this, one of the greatest living cinema martial artists in Eco Oice. Yeah. Like, he is phenomenal you on screen. You know him from the Raid movies. Yep, absolutely. Yeah. I'm, I'm nodding my head. So, like, he, he is a legitimate martial artist, <clears throat> like, real, real martial artist, and especially on film, it works. Mm-hmm. It blends similar to like Ong Bak, you know, where you have Tony Jaa who developed martial arts a little bit later in life when he got into it. But on film, you were like, this guy knows exactly what he's doing. It works. This movie is so embarrassingly offensive to his (laughs) martial arts ability. And not just that, but like you take, and there is a clip and Tim and I both shared it on Twitter where he is in a, lab room not is even a hospital hosp- yeah we I don't, don't even know. think it is a hospital i think it's, it is a it, lab room they, no because they're at like a, a some like consulate place right so it's like, like some it's sort like a, of like an embassy but yet somehow there's like a hospital room yeah. in there this three to the movie this three minute <laughs> fight scene literally has a cut every three seconds every five seconds where he will go to like swing part of the bed and it will go from a camera shot looking at him swing mid-swing it cuts three different times to what he is actually hitting, and it is embarrassing. Listen, I don't <laughs> mind the cuts in that sequence. Oh, God. The most frustrating part of this sequence <laughs> is he breaks this guy's leg. Oh, yeah. Okay. Like, pow. You see it break, right? Like sure. a compound fracture. Then he gets thrown through a window, and then we see the guy get up, and yeah. like he's on his feet again. Oh, my God. And I was like, well, I was like, well wait a minute. Wait a minute. <laughs> right. wait a minute. And not only, like, we just saw you break his leg, but now he's, because only two people in the room he's fighting. And they're just both up fighting again. I'm like, oh, so you just shot a bunch of stuff? And we're like, we're going to throw this yep. together and make it work. There is a scene is probably the phrase that gets said a lot when describing this film. Before you tell this, can I just ex- – I just want to set the stage for everybody listening. Yeah. <laughs> I am sitting essentially at the top of a triangle. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And both John and Tim have turned and they're almost trying to sell me like a timeshare. <laughs> yeah. How bad this is. Yeah. And I am eating all of yeah. this. Oh, okay, yeah. continue. Yeah. Let Go me ahead. tell you about this timeshare. Yes. Uh, <laughs> have you been to Aruba? We, we call it mile yeah. 22. And it's uh, located there, – yeah. There's um, – there's there's, they keep cutting back to whatever – some interview that, that – um, <sighs> 
that Mark Wahlberg's character is having. Well, so is it, is it a non-linear storytelling approach? Kinda. Yeah. It, it tries okay. to be. Not okay. really. Okay. But it's yeah. just his verbal diarrhea. Yeah. It's just, just. Right. Okay. He's just talking fast and being Mark Wahlberg. And none of it makes any sense. Nope. It's just like, <laughs> why are we? And it keeps doing that. And then, so there's a big, I'm going to spoil this movie. Yeah, There's a big reveal it. at the end that this woman wants revenge for this hit, this thing that happened at the beginning of the movie, right? Okay. There's there's an intelligence group that should find out that this woman is like some Russian whatever. Right. How do they not, like, my thing is like, how would you not know? Because yep. this whole movie is you guys getting all this intelligence and being like this special ops group, but yet that's like something that you just over everyone overlooked this no one found this no one said hey she's this thing they know everything about the interior of the house yeah they know everything about the thing that they are doing in the house they know like nothing about the people in the house but apparently yeah like (laughs) mark Wahlberg kills somebody and they're like "Eh, who cares and it's just line of duty and then they're like but wait who was that man he killed so you're not ID the people in the house yeah you not there's a scene in this movie where the main guy (laughs) Is it's like he's just following Mark Wahlberg around? Oh, he's, who teleports yeah, everywhere? He's got like a Thanos style, like space stone. He's just popping up. Really? Oh yeah. So he's just the, always there. At the end oh. of the movie, Mark Wahlberg is leaving uh, some hotel, whatever, some ho- apartment they're in. Right, this mm-hmm. big fight they're having with with Lauren Cohen. What's her name right. from Walking Dead? Um, yeah, they're leaving, and yeah. the guy, the guys, wa- the guys watching. But when they're getting to this airport, he cuts them off in his car. I'm like. How did, okay? They, and, I mean, they're speeding away, and not cuts, not and uh, let me let me clarify this. Not cuts them off like from the side, like gets an on ramp. Yeah. He is coming at yeah, them. He's coming. I'm like straight how, down the runway. How? How? What? Yeah. How? Straight, straight he, down the runway. We towards watch them. him. <laughs> he he comes out of the building and they're dri- they're speeding away. Mm-hmm. Then somehow when they get to their destination, that they're driving like a bat out of hell. He somehow beats them there and he doesn't have a helicopter they all got cars in these crowded streets i don't know how this is happening this is amazing yeah, yeah. and there's this... a, there's a multiple fight sequences that are just dumb yeah there's a shootout where ronda rousey gets killed oh yeah so we oh, this gosh. is an elite special so, forces unit women's heavyweight champion yeah. ronda rousey women's yeah, heavyweight champion ronda rousey yes that wait she got it back she never lost. It. Yeah, she never lost. It. I thought she. Oh, never mind. Nope, not gonna go there. Um, <laughs> we have to interject wrestling every time we're doing right. So we get this elite special forces team that has zero chemistry. None that have been together through all of these missions and whatever. Well, it change. It changes a person. Uh, apparently, no chemistry. <laughs> we do not care about any of them. We get her arguing with her 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 husband about custody on the phone on Over, Facetime. I, that's the whole sequence. Which is a whole plot point of the movie <laughs> that has no it never it has gets nothing to do with it. We the never film. see it, we never see it set up. We never see it resolved. Yeah. She's it just arguing just about there. seeing her kid because she's a murderer. She's just like she travels around killing people and yet can't make time to make her daughter's retitle or something stupid. Is this where I mentioned that the screenwriter doesn't even have a picture on no. herself? It's directed on, by Peter Berg, right? Yeah. Oh yeah. Well, yeah. Written well, by Peter Leah Berg. Carpenter. And this is this is one of the most Peter Bergian rah rah America. Oh yeah, get Ugh. rid of the brown people. Get rid of the. We are in some random country full mm-hmm. of brown people that, of some course, Southeast Asian country are just slaughtered in these gunfights. Yeah. We get the Russians as the bad guys. Like Peter Berg, like dude, we get it. You love America and you love Mark Wahlberg. Stop. Stop. Stop with these films. Stop. This, I hope this is the end of the. Well, it the, sounds like. I mean, the Mark Wahlberg Peter Berg box set. So much. About- <laughs> <laughs> I, hope, I hope this is it. There are like what four of them in the movie. I mean, the, you can say set? a lot about Peter Berg movies. Poor 
editing is not necessarily oh, one of them. Generally not, it, but this it's not. But this is so he just he just threw up his hands. Painful, like. Or it was taken from him and finished by somebody else. No, you know what? Nobody else gets a director credit, though. No, that's true. Possibly, because it it feels so unfinished and there's so much. Like, Predator had bad editing. Sure. Like, this is just the worst editing I think I've seen in a block. And especially because you you get someone um, with such great martial arts skills and you just just waste it. How much is he in the movie? Oh, the whole time. Yeah. Like, Eco is in that. He's in it the whole time. Imagine not having LeBron James and then making him the 12th man on your bench and getting giving him garbage time run. <laughs> That's yeah. what it felt like. It, it really... <laughs> He's getting garbage time run. <laughs> He's not even really in there. It really does. So, yeah. yeah. So, mile 22. Mile 22, man. Wow. So, both, both Tim and I... It's horrendous. And uh, the, um, the plot is they have to get this guy because he oh, has some MacGuffin. secret code to quote-unquote mile 22 to this airstrip to get him away because that's if you let him go he'll give you the code that helps them unlock something right that's it's it's pointless that's why it's called mile 22 so dumb so so dumb i need to see this so mike your number one your ugliest of the ugly let me check 2018 happy time murder that was it that was number one for you boom um what the hell is that? Was, that? was it the string jizz that got you? I, what the hell was that movie? Yeah. I sat, I'm literally speechless when I watch Happy Time Murders. I don't understand. I get the concept. I mm-hmm. get Jim Henson's son, I think. Brian. Wanting to just like take out the idea of Muppets and just go a whole different direction. What the hell is the Happy Time yeah. Murders? I don't understand what the, mm-hmm. the it's one thing to to write that script. You just you just put that away. Mm-hmm. You just yeah. go ahead and put that in the safe. <laughs> Pour yourself some bourbon and you just did go thing. watch no, it's, it's Netflix not, and chill after it's that. It's like one of those scripts to be a fun like script read with a bunch of celebrities. Yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah it's have fun your, times. Have your buddies over. Yeah. Uh there, table read, you guys all laugh. Make some make some appetizers. Yeah. There's a great uh podcast called Talking Tunes with Rob Paulson who Phenomenal voice actor, yeah. animaniacs and everything like that. So what he will do is on his podcast, he gets people together, uh, famous voice actors, and yeah. they read scripts as their famous characters, but from like The Godfather or something like that. Sure. Okay. That's a great Hilarious. Idea. This is the type of thing where, yeah, if this was a live show, like on stage and they were doing a table read. Of this script? It might be funny. No. But this this movie just <laughs> He's like, no, there's no redeeming this. No, script. I I'm sorry I just within five minutes, maybe ten, once I got the the lay of the land and I understood the coexistence of the puppets and the it tr- oh the TV show they were making the way that they tried to approach they diversity to <laughs> make this political. Yeah. yeah. Shut up. Yeah. Don't do that. <laughs> what are you doing? Don't 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 puppets have sex too. Okay. Apparently. Fair enough. They go to a sex shop. They also yell, I'm going to go. And then there's yeah. just. I'm mm-hmm. going to go. Yeah. It's yeah. <laughs> amazing. You get to see him having sex behind the mirror and everyone in the other room pretends he's not having sex. Yeah. 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 Maya Rudolph oh, is sitting oh. outside the door. I, I yeah. don't understand. And I, yeah. I don't understand why Melissa McCarthy. She must have been given a different script. Oh, I thought you were going to say she must have been had a gun to her head. Well, maybe. <laughs> like, I don't... Is, is her husband involved? I mean, I... like. Yes, he is in yeah, this. Yeah, I know. So he's just also in Life of the Party, which mm-hmm. I think you were going to... Almost made my list. Almost made my list, too. Yep. What was Cause, that cause the, movie? The daughter was so bad in that movie. Oh, 
that painful. They had that. no chemistry. I actually watched that on a plane. Oh, I'm Did you sorry. want to jump out the plane? <laughs> Mission Impossible I mean, style, I could, like a I halo could, jump? Like, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I couldn't get to the uh, to the exits. I don't understand. Like, I just, I, whatever. Uh, we've talked ad nauseum about it. The Happy Time Murders yep. has got way more time on this podcast than it ever deserves. Happy Time Murders podcast. absolute garbage. And I just. What would it take in, to have you watch it again? Nothing. What, what could I pay you? We'll talk off. <laughs> Does that want anything? Uh, uh, I want like, to see you live tweet this movie. I have a question. Is Happy Time Merge, did that ever get a home video release? Not that I saw. Because, oh. I, I mean, here we are. It's January of 19. I don't remember seeing it I don't show up either. on my VOD at I home. don't either. Nope. I don't remember seeing a DVD or Blu-ray. I could be wrong. Interesting. Maybe saw the music in the film. I don't, I don't know. <laughs> they didn't license. <laughs> yeah. Got to yeah. license all those tunes. Henson pulled the um, Muppet license. <laughs> right. Anyway, that is an all-time. Worst it's, a, of the, it's a stinker. Worst yeah. of the decade. I didn't. Yeah. It didn't make my ugly because I thought it looked funny, and there were funny moments well, at the beginning. And I didn't. Oh, really? see, but like my Rudolph I and Melissa McCarthy the, were funny. They were funny, but and we talked about this on the episode where where we reviewed it. They were stepping on each other's toes yeah. because they you could tell the director was like, Okay, this is where we need to go in this scene, just go for it. Yeah. And so in that scene, they basically are improv, but they're stepping on each other's toes. Ugh. See, even in horror and there are a number of bad Melissa McCarthy movies. Yes. She is still extremely talented at like quick witted one liners, yeah. improv, physical comedy, feet, she is physical- solid. It didn't work here. No. At all. Yep. She even saves a couple of scenes in Life of the Party that are terrible, but she says one thing or she reacts a certain way, Mm -hmm. and she like gets us out of that scene with a little bit of grace. What was the worst scene for you in Happy Time Murders? What was the scene where you're like, I'm ready to walk out of here? Um, So the one that comes to mind first (laughs) would be the, um, is it the, the, the fireman, help me, lack the lactating cow oh, yeah. <laughs> with, with the octopus the uh, octopus essentially the masturbating yeah. the lactating cow and then that is somehow sexually gratifying to the puppets that want to see it yep yeah in the background and this is not a main shot this is in the background but people are made to focus on it right yeah despite the fact that the script is attempting and it's not even a throwaway scene in the context of the story they're actually trying to Move the story along with, with exposition, yeah. yeah. But that's going on in the background, yep. so it renders everything that's happening. If you even cared at all, it's rendering the entire story obsolete. Yeah. Yep, totally agree. Love that movie. Nice. Uh, so that, that was when's, a, your, when's, when's your birthday? When's my birthday? Yeah, you Maybe, might be getting a DVD. You might get a if, special if they made it. <laughs> deluxe director's cut. <laughs> three, three hours of Happy Time Murders. My birthday oh. happens sometime in this calendar year. Blu-ray. Wow. Oh. Ultra DVD, HD. 4K. Digital copy. 4K Happy Time Murders. Yeah, yeah. Comes oh. with a poster, maybe a signed one. Oh, that's nice. A fr- wow. pu- free puppet. Yeah, maybe yeah. like a, fr- a, a fragment of fabric from the puppets. Oh, and, 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 a, and a comic that explains what happened before that. Uh, that would oh, be of helpful. Course, yeah. That would yeah. be helpful. I got you. Wow. The gift set. Yeah, the gold gift set. So... <laughs> Oh gosh! Yeah, so that was a whole list of movies. Was there anything that did make your ugly that almost made your ugly yes. list? I wrote down a an alternate. Life of the party. Life of the party was life, life of the party. Uh, Suspiria. I oh. hated Suspiria. Never watched it. I haven't watched it either. It is a I movie that I, I cannot recommend to anybody. Suspiria is the one blind spot that I have in that whole Seattle Film Critics uh, Society Awards experience. Uh, yeah. I never watched it. I know there are certain people who love it. 
I, I hated Suspiria, so that almost made my list. Okay. But yeah, uh, I mean, I could have easily ugly. put the thirty minutes of Gotti that I sat through. <laughs> you Oof. sat through that. That is thirty no, minutes I sat more than thirty I, minutes. Thirty minutes it. more than I gave it. Uh, uh, um, yeah. There's also a really didn't awful Ethan movie. from Entourage direct that? Yeah. Yeah. yeah also, guy. for those that like This Is Us. Oh, that you, stupid movie that you guys, guys sat through life itself. No, everyone hates that movie. Oh, I did. That movie is I saw the, that at most the screening. Just disgustingly manipulative. Saccharine, emotionally manipulative. Oh, yeah. I could have so easily put good. life itself on the list. Too. I thought about that. Uh, but I don't think anyone saw it. It, yeah. it tanked yeah, no. hard at yeah. the box office. To the point where I wonder if that guy's gonna get another opportunity to make a movie anymore. That bad? He will, because it was so. It was such a Sheesh. small. Even though it had big people in it, Oscar Isaac's and Tony Banderas, it was it was still small enough where people were well, just forget about it. And the fact that This Is Us is still good. I mean, it's it's a it can waver, but yeah. it's it's a, a consistently decent to good television. Program. He'll get another look. He'll yeah. get another chance. Yeah. yeah. Yikes! Crazy. Uh, okay, so that was our goodest of the good, the baddest of the bad, the ugliest of the ugly on this extra full-length year-end spectacular episode. Uh, Tim, where can people find you? Uh, peoplescriticalblog.com, peoplescritic on Twitter. Not a whole lot coming up. Chilling. It's January. It's January. Slow start to the Slow year. Slow start, yeah. Nice. And Mike, where can people find you on the interwebs, and do you have anything coming up? Um, Gosh, should I see it is the website, should mm-hmm. I see dot it, and then I'm at should I see it on Twitter. Just reviews, you know, just trying to, to get the uh, machine cranked back up again mm-hmm. for another year. And, um, yeah, I was recently added to Rotten Tomatoes, so I'll start. Congratulations. That is awesome. There and, yeah, just taking the widgets as they come down the line. Good times. Sounds yeah. good. Uh, upcoming projects for the About to Review podcast. So next week's episode will have a review for Project Blue Book, a new History Channel mm. uh, TV show about the real Project Blue Book. Uh, the Navy investigation where they went after UFOs. So I you mentioned this. Yeah. So yeah. I was able to see the first episode of that like two months ago. Good. Uh, but I have been embargoed from talking about it until next week. Fantastic. So that will be on next week's episode. And I think next week I will also do another kind of 2018 wrap up of some of the films that I saw during our awards uh, season that I did not get a chance to review when they were coming out. So Cold War, if Beale Street could talk, Vice. So I would just kind of do a, a rundown of kind of some quick reviews for those films. It's awesome. So that wraps it up for this week's episode. Uh, welcome to the new year. Happy dear, new year, everybody. Dear listeners. Happy go, new year. Go Hawks. Uh, yeah, go Hawks. Uh, thank they you both. got a playoff game this weekend. Yeah, go do. Hawks. They thank do. you, Tim. We don't know who they're playing yet. Yeah, no. We will know. Well, I mean, I guess we'll we know. do yeah, know. We're yeah. just being cagey right now. Yeah. That is true. Uh, so, <laughs> Thank you, Tim. Thank you, Mike, for joining me on this episode. You can find the About to Review podcast on social media at About to Review on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. YouTube.com slash About to Review. About to Review.com has full links to these show notes and guests. If you want to support the show, you can do that by giving a couple dollars via directly PayPal or Amazon wishlist. It is all right there on the website. Uh, Yeah. So January, a little bit slow. We, We will see. But Glass is definitely right around the corner. In Panic so. Room, I want to, really want to see that. Oh yeah, that actually comes out this weekend. I oh, I, I need to actually this pay money for that. It is the fr- it's the first weekend. Yeah, of the first year. weekend of January. So the so there we go. So thank you for listening. Thank you for supporting the show in the 2018 year. 
Welcome to 2019, and we will see you next time. Let's all go to the lobby. Let's all go to the lobby. Let's all go to the lobby to get ourselves a treat.